Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. We're the Blanchard Brothers, back with your 2 by 2 retro review for the month of March. March 2021. Gonna march right in the bedroom with lots of laughs. We're gonna march left. Right. Left, left, left right, left. Right, left. Yeah. So what we're gonna do. You know um, why I know? Because life in the streets, it's a mystery. It ain't easy. It, it, yes, it's also a mystery. <laughs> and that's how we're living. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Random. Why you, I just started singing at the top of every episode? Yeah, that'd be fine. I would more need... or less downloads? More, more or less traffic on the feed? I don't know. You might be the songbird of, the, of your generation. You just don't know it. Maybe. Maybe if you, maybe you auto-tune it. Maybe you tweak it. In post-production. Make it sound real, real, real this dope. No, I know what y'all are thinking. This ain't no Janet Jackson shit. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all of that yes. and much more. But yeah, we're going to take a, a trip up to Maine. And uh, oh we're going to Maine also take a trip to... I mean, it's Fort Jackson. Yeah, but, nondescript. But, are they in Washington? I thought it was supposed to be like Michigan or something. I didn't... Yeah, maybe. They, a lot of them are from Detroit, right? I believe so. So, yeah, I think it's Michigan. And what's the team? We'll get into that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that'll unlock the movie for me. We'll Maybe. talk about it. I yeah. don't know. Glad you suggested it. Okay. Good. So, yeah, 2 by 2 Retro Review. We're talking in the bedroom and uh, Renaissance Man, as promised. But before that, uh, we, we have watched a few things Indeed. in the interim. Uh, I guess to stay somewhat current, we should probably talk about Coming to America. The number two. The number two. And the second in, I don't think it's going to be a series. You know, the, the the long awaited, maybe not entirely needed, but for me, welcome follow up. Yeah. to coming to America. We'll talk about that for a little bit. Uh, give our thoughts on Wandavision. If anybody cares, I feel like we have totally missed that conversation. We haven't really been following it week to week, but I know you benched and caught up. I've yeah. been watching it week to week, and so we'll, we'll chat about that for a bit, and then we'll get into uh, the two by two. That works for me. So, uh, before either of those, any other random watches or anything you want to mention? Any thoughts? Any questions, comments, or concerns? Um, so, we're getting another stimulus, right? It was passed today. I know. I just, that's for the for yeah. posterity's sake, I have or to say that. It was passed, and then it's on his desk tonight yeah. as we're recording this. This is, what, the 10th? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also reminding me there's a South Park special, another new one-hour special. That oh. I'm not watching right now, so I think I have to wait till it's on HBO Max tomorrow because uh, I don't know if there'll be a cable rerun before my bedtime. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> we watched a, a new Prime original. Yes. Uh, which they they bought. This was gonna go to theaters, but we watched Coming to America. You told me off, Mike. You didn't refresh no. and rewatch. I wonder if that made it play better or not. What did you think overall? I, I maybe, you know what? Maybe had I not done that since I didn't, I maybe gave it a little bit higher and liked a little bit more. I enjoyed it just because it was like everybody from that movie, with the exception of Eric LaSalle, is in this movie. Yeah, virtually everybody is back. They got James Earl Jones of all, of and, all people. Exactly. And then some nice additions as oh, well. Yeah. Tracy Morgan, Leslie Jones knocking it out of the park. Who's the lead, the new son? I have no idea. We, he was in Sorry to Bother You. That's right, he remember was. Remember they have the nice fight? Yeah. In front of the office building, one of my favorite <laughs> scenes. Yeah, I remember that. Um, oh my God, what's his name? 
working on it now. Love the dead air. Love it, brother. Yeah. Jermaine Fowler. Okay. What else has he been in? Uh, sorry to bother you, as I just mentioned. Uh, Bojack Horseman. He was just in Blue- Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. I was going to say, one I of thought the I just saw him in there. I think yeah. he had like a line or two. Um, Is he not the one that gets... He's Mark Clark. Is he the one that gets gunned down and then they go visit his mother? Either he gets gunned down in that or he's the one who's like, no, my buddy was just alive. Like, what happened to him? He got shot in the hospital, but like, it's one of the two. He either is the one that goes to the hospital. We got like five days left. If you're listening to this, you probably have like two or three days left to watch Judas and the Black Messiah, if you have not already. And then it's leaving HBO Dude, it was so weird. I wrote about the Beacon the other day, last weekend, and to like see movies I've already watched like on posters in... In the movie theaters, I have to remind myself that they're supposed to be in theaters and not like just available for me. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, you you know Jermaine Fowler, the son coming to America from Crashing, because I know you love Crashing. He played Russell, the son of Terrence Howard. I don't know who he would have been in there on Crashing. Crashing, the Pete Holmes show. I've never seen Pete Holmes Crashing. I thought you were talking about the movie Crashing. You love Crash. Crashing. Oh, God. A weird. The we're Academy Award winning Crashing. Crash. Crash. Crashing. Crash. And you said Lawrence Fishburne? No. What are you Terrence talking Terrence Howard. Sorry. Terrence Howard? <laughs> what? Okay. We're so It's, it's lost. Pete Holmes crashing is what you're talking about. Yeah. I thought you were a big Pete Holmes fan. So I, I love Pete want, Holmes. But you haven't watched his show. No, not yet. Okay. I keep forgetting. I mean, it, listen. Keep if forgetting it was, that it exists. Listen. If, 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 if HBO Dude, it's knew. It's your boy Apatow. You're in love with him now after King of Staten Island. If HBO now. knew me, He's your boy. if they got the algorithm right, they would have had crashing up. And I don't search. I look at what's available to me when I get on the, the app and I go for it. I'm just trying to tell you what I thought you might know this guy from. Okay. I'm going with Sorry to Bother You. That's where I, I was I like, oh, okay, movie. yeah, I remember him in that. Uh, Anything else we have? Oh, any any thoughts on the on the movie? You it said was you it was it? funny. I I it wasn't like again. Maybe if I'd have watched the original again, I would have been like, "Oh, this is terrible." Because that's what I saw from like a lot of people's reaction on Instagram was like, "Eh, okay, it's all right. It's not the best." And I, I try not to let that color my like my opinion of it going in, but I do appreciate how they kind of integrated like a key plot point of the story with like footage from. The original. And doing the, like, de-aging thing yeah. as well, like, putting them back in there, which was really well done. All yeah. that stuff. Um, so, we watched literally a few days before, because it's on Prime as well. Yeah. I love when they actually get it right. Again, why we couldn't have all the Karate Kid movies up when Cobra Kai new season drops. Like, Lights, I, the licensing. I know, but I'm saying, I don't know why they can't just get it together, you know. Who knows? Somebody's not signing, signing oh. on the right dotted line. Probably. Okay. But I, so it was up, Veronica had never seen it, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen it at least like 10 years, so throw it on. Again, like a lot of movies from that era, and a lot of John Landis comedies in general, I was like, this shit's way longer than I remember mm-hmm. it being. But it has enough, like, just straight up classic bits in it that have you dying that, like, it strings it together. And coming to America, the sequel now... It's very, dude, it's what, 33 years later or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's pretty much just like, 
hey, let's just kind of gently remind you of the original and the stuff you liked about it. We'll do riffs on those bits. We'll bring in some new people. We'll have some musical guests. It's going to be a fun time. Everybody's going to be back. And that's the general vibe I got from yeah. it. We didn't talk about Wesley Snipes. Excuse me. Yes. That's the best edition where yes. I was just like, dude, come on. It's ba- it's essentially the same crew as Dolomite is my name, which I totally enjoyed. Yeah, Everybody's kind of back, plus all the Coming to America people, obviously. And this is another Craig Brewer movie. I mm-hmm. like Craig Brewer. Love Hustle and Flow. Love Black Snake Moon. Yeah. Love love what he's doing now. But I, you know what this felt like to me? And I, people are going to be like, oh, he's trashing it. I mean, this is the biggest compliment. This felt like Coming to America, directed by Kevin Smith. Okay. This had the feel to me of late period Kevin Smith. Okay. Like, just like getting the, like, the check get in. get the band back together. Yeah. We don't, we're not, hey. We're not we're not trying for gold here. We're not trying to knock it out of the park and like reinvent the wheel. It's a sequel to a movie, many years removed. Which I did appreciate like, that they commented on that. Like why why Hollywood? Well, they all make they do this they do that. The, it's and on the yeah, nose, but yeah. I love it. Any, anyways, it was pleasant. Literally, it finished. And my my only disappointment because I did not realize it going in. I thought we were getting an R rated comedy. Right, and I thought. Oh well, we can take all of the you know the language and stuff from the original and the raunch and like turn it up and like you know have it be a little crazier, and like all Eddie Murphy products from the last several years, it's like it's got to kind of be family oriented at the end of the day. Like his daughter's in it, like mm-hmm. you know, and obviously it's like a family affair, like just getting this whole crew of people back together and everything. And I liked the like you know that played for me. It didn't like bother me overall. That was my one. I did not realize that until I started the movie. I was yeah, like, me too. PG thirteen. Yeah, that was. What? A... How did I miss that in mm-hmm. all the ads and stuff? Uh, Which they do enough to serve because like the whole world penis is clean thing. They do that with Leslie and the Leslie Joe. And it's it's some of it's the conversions yeah. and the reworks can, of like I can old appreciate jokes. that. I, one of my favorite bits though was the. The fact that Wesley Snipes' character comes in and is pissed off because of what you did to my sister. Yeah. And it's the woman from the first movie right. who he left hopping and barking like a dog. Yeah. Um, that was that was probably the best like tag up on a bit where I was just like, I would have never thought to bring that woman back and have it still going, but that And like that, that really is the cru- that is how you bring in the crucial like foil plot character of like yes. this is what forces him into action is like, oh yeah, it's her brother. Yeah. He's pissed at you for that. Like, you should have buried her. And, I mean, we don't have to, like, litigate the whole thing. There was a little... And I I watched it twice, literally, back-to-back, essentially, because Brendan wanted to watch it the next day, and I didn't <laughs> want to tell him that, like, hey, I've already seen it. I didn't want to color his experience. We yeah. just watched it. And then he was, like, not really feeling it or into it. He was like, I don't really think it's that funny, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. They looked like they were having fun. I had goodwill towards it. It was nicest. My only real complaints, not enough Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Because we spent the time on like basically doing the original movie again, but with his son. I like Jermaine Fowler. I think he's good in this movie. But it was a little weird that like they built up the whole narrative of he has three daughters and like maybe one of them should actually take the throne and maybe he should be like more like he wanted his father to be in the original movie and like, you know, change his ways, etc. Why is he so staunch now and just like play, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But then him having to come to that realization, et cetera, all that stuff plays. But part of me was like, what did we need the son character? Like we could still introduce him, but like, shouldn't it be a little bit more about like the eldest daughter and like eventually realizing that like she should run this thing and they still give you that ending anyways. Mm-hmm. 
But, like, I did feel like, I don't know, maybe time would have been better served if, like, we had a little more Eddie Murphy and a little less of The Sun in general. That was my only real critique. Nicene in Vogue and Salt and Pepper. Yeah. And Gladys Knight. Of course. Um, yeah. I do like that the end that he brought out uh, sexual chocolate. Oh, that was great. That was amazing. Yeah. I do like that he get, it's like still at this age, he's like, I'm going to fucking put on makeup. I'm going to wear different and the, prosthetics the and I'm going to be these people. The barbershop scene still yeah. totally worked. Uh, yeah. I, good uh, job. I, I, I appreciate Arsenio. He was great. Yeah, no. doing the same thing. I, I enjoy, man, enjoy I it. had a fun time. Yeah, with it. yeah. I yeah. can't say a bad thing about it. I, 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 I guess the people who are like really disappointed or like have their guns out for it were just like expecting more. But again, like I said, and I mean that as a compliment. I was like, you know, a new Kevin Smith one comes out. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just glad you're still making movies, dude. I just, yeah. I just love you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like it. It's gonna be whatever. Like, it's good. It's cool. So. We we give it a, a soft thumbs up. Yeah, like, I'm definitely. And guess what? If you have Prime, it's it's free. So you know, there's that. That is a thing. Wandavision. It's over. It's done with. I don't think. I don't know that we're getting a season two. I don't it know. It wouldn't really make any sense. Two. Um, what'd you think? Pros, cons. Happy with it overall. I um, I enjoyed it. If this is gonna be, I can appreciate that now maybe in this second phase and I, i've seen the lineup stuff i've seen the mock tra- the trailer and mock-ups and stuff i will always enjoy that the first round of all of this was because i mean i don't know about you dude I'll, I'll admit i saw every one of the first round of avengers things and avengers at least four or five times in the theaters when they were coming out because it, it was just so it was there and i would have loved to have had a disney plus to compete with netflix then right after the merger happened, to be able to go and watch them at home streaming to the point that like WandaVision finished and I watched Age of Ultron again because it's the one I saw the least because by that time it was like, God, I got so much. I got a new Spider-Man thing. I got, you know, um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I got all this stuff going on. So I appreciate something like this that can give me a peek back into that world post what's, what's happened with it with the whole death of Tony Stark, whatever. Right. And having these little, this show that kind of can bridge that gap, bring in characters from other properties like Thor and, you know, I guess if you don't want to call it Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, you know, bringing back in S.W.O.R.D., that angle, all that, bringing in the Captain Marvel of it all, and kind of like having something just not, not, not insanely long, because I don't, if you're telling me anything with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC was going to have anything to do with what movies I was watching, I checked out, because I can't do... 24 episodes hour-long episodes of this thing to try and push it along right but a 10 episode arc on a streaming service that essentially boils down to like like a four and a half hour movie maybe yeah essentially yeah i mean that that works for me you know it's enough that like i i appreciate what they're doing because just like we talked about the the patra of it all like being like oh yeah the resurrected version of your brother is not kick-ass it's you know, it's the one we love from X-Men, you know, right. because now if somehow he, that Quicksilver version we get in the future, everybody who's working at Disney is going to want to do their own Fox's X-Men time in a bottle sequence. And it'd be interesting to see what that's like. But overall, I can appreciate, I guess we have, she's, 
don't know, she's still in the house? Is she still just there? Like, I don't know. We don't really get, like, a huge, huge ending. But, like... Well, she's in the, um... What do they call it? I haven't watched Doctor Strange in a bit. She's on the astral plane, though. Right. She's, like, separated from her body. Right. Well, that's what I heard. Yeah, this was going to set up Multiverse set up of Madness, for, so... Yeah. Which is, I and I mean, guess the vision is now... Uh, honestly, maybe the most excited about that that I've been about a Marvel property in quite a while. Yeah. Just the fact that Sam Raimi is oh yeah, going to be back and doing weird shit mm-hmm. with a giant budget. That's very exciting to me. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on board. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, pretty much ended up feeling the same way I kind of told you initially. I was like emphatically in love with the first three episodes mm-hmm. for how weird and subversive yeah. they were for a marvel thing right like, you know not that weird but i felt like it was really doing something different and then as it gradually kind of opened up and revealed itself to be like oh but this is okay this is you know what i expect from like a big marvel movie etc and we inevitably kind of build to another big CGI climax and everything. But I felt like it's still, given the extended runtime, we got a lot more character depth. And yeah. people who honestly desperately needed it. And I, I'm like, if that's that's the thing that's most exciting about the TV shows to me at this point is like, when we start getting into the movies where, you know, seven or eight of these guys, especially, you know, like the ones we just went through, Infinity War and Endgame, where it's like, we got like, 25 different guys were juggling mm-hmm. at any given time yeah and everybody's got to get their little moment and all of that you're of course banking on like well everybody has all these built-up things from their solo movies that they're mm-hmm. bringing to the table emotionally etc and now you're playing it out with them all you know but these two desperately needed it and mm-hmm. in the same way that i honestly feel like at this point as they're going to move into whatever the next phase is falcon and winter soldier do as well yeah so i'm very pumped for that it starts in what like a week i thought it was is it not this friday or is it next friday i think it's a week off okay and this coming friday so yeah i feel like they have maybe some sort of weird maybe it's like a behind the scenes that something drops this weekend in between hmm. but yeah i don't think it starts this weekend so yeah i, I mean i enjoyed the title... it and ultimately there was a lot of stuff i like loved and liked along the way but it was more of just like, oh, okay, well, I guess we always have to kind of build towards a big fight scene and then yeah. kind of settling things back in. And given the nature of like how this ends and wraps up, it's like, okay, well, I guess I see some setup and some implications for like stuff they might take this to in the future. But I think some people were looking for this to like maybe kick the ball a little further yeah, down the lane in terms of like moving the overall story forward. Um but it, I liked that it, I mean, literally, the show itself is, like, self-contained. Yeah. And I like that it, it essentially works out where it's like, did we need this? No, but I'm really glad we got it. Like, yeah, that, yeah. You know what, That's that would be my only point of contention is I don't know when these were done and in the can ready to roll. And I know they so were pushed. It was supposed to be Black Widow, from my understanding, supposed to be Black Widow was mm-hmm. next. Movie, of course, yeah. that was delayed. Right. Then Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Then, I think then WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And then Reverse Loki. Order. And then Loki. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And the, my only thing is like, I get if you're trying to release them in a certain way to like make sense of your next one to come back out. 
We all know that that unless something crazy happens, the Black Widow movie is in is yeah, inconsequential. I, still, I don't understand how that has anything to do with their plans or why it needs to come out in a well, particular order. The only thing is, unless, unless it's some a multiverse thing, thing, and like somehow at the last second when she's throwing herself to sacrifice herself, Hawkeye got sacrificed in that universe, and so you know. or she gets pulled from it somehow, and she's able to come back. Well, no, because. We really... That's right. We know, because she did not night. die in the snap. She was alive. Exactly. She sacrificed she herself, so she didn't so come back. Could, yeah, right. right. So unless there's some little nugget at the end of that movie that's like, hey, the next thing... I just explained it to you. What? There's a multiverse... Right. ...where Hawkeye goes over instead of her. It literally just flips. You could show the same scene and just reverse it. I'm sure they shot both versions. Yeah. And or there's a multiverse, but that never happens because they let Wanda take on Thanos sure. to begin with. Or they pluck her out if they yeah. want to have her in there. And presumably, yeah, they're going to want to have Scarlett Johansson around for as many movies as she's willing to be in. Of course. Okay. So. But we, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed I'm it. Excited I'm excited for the next, like, you know. If, this, if, 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 if Winter this is, Soldier and Falcon hits this as a bare minimum... I'll be interested to see where it goes. The other thing I'm excited about is I think it's going to also be a very different show Mm -hmm. tonally from the get-go. And it's going to be doing its own kind of interesting new thing that will feel different than the movies, but will still have the same scale and grandeur of the movies at the same time. Because, like, I can tell you, the the two-second scene where he asks him to move his his chair up when they're in that tiny car in uh, Captain America of Civil Civil War. War... That right there was enough for me to be like, these two should have their own show. Yeah. Like, you know, his old best bud and his new best bud, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to become best buds themselves because he's going to be gone. Yeah. You know? Let's see what happens. I think it'd be I think it'd be really good. I think it's going to be awesome. And it looks incredible. Yes. Just from the trailers. It looks action-packed. Anybody who was like, oh, I was bored by those first, like, five or six episodes of WandaVision, I... Again, and I don't, don't think you, wrong and I you, don't, but, yeah, because uh, just to, just as a comment on like television as the, a whole, excuse me, the ul- that was a that was amazing. The ultimate payoff of that for like why why did we watch all of these episodes of like imitating classic mm-hmm. sitcoms and like moving up? Through oh, the when she finds the treasure chest of like all these old, yeah, I love, and the, yeah. just the flashback, and yeah. it's like. It, I'm watching it and I'm like, dude, this was so simple. Like you should, this is just good writing. Like you should have seen this coming all along. That like it ties in with their childhood. Mm-hmm. But seeing it at the moment, I was just like, this is beautiful man, too. This yeah. is why we love art. This is why we do stories. it. It brings yeah. us all together. It was like, this is just, this is great stuff. If so. Lucille Ball can connect to a child in Sarkovia, and like how, no matter what, America is a, a great, beautiful place that you can run into hilarious hijinks because your husband won't let you be in the show. And, you know, if, if, if anybody can do it, it's her. And it's the power of television. If I'm not mistaken. That's entertainment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, we're getting a Lucy and Desi show. Mm-hmm. Or movie. Movie? Not sure. I may be com- conflating a couple of different things, but I think this is accurate. Written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. Oh, God. Starring... Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball and Javier Bardem as uh, Desi Arnaz. Okay, I almost so, said Ricky Ricardo, but Desi Arnaz. Okay. Excuse me. So is someone going to die in this and they're going to have to like cover it up and frame it kind of thing? Like a 
Pretty Little Lies, Beautiful. It, like, I'm just it's the joke about Nicole Kidman being doing the same kind of show. Just make it a it'd be an HBO show. It'd be she's the same gonna thing. Be undoing those big little lies yeah. while she's. They haven't done a third one yet. Yeah, I just you. I love that you brought that up as soon as I started talking about the undoing. You were like, she's just always doing stuff like this. I was like, like what? Like big little like one other thing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Uh, sh- shall we? I got. I got one. Oh, excuse me. I got one means, new one. Let me see if I got anything. I got one you. new movie and a, and a one nice rewatch. You want the nice rewatch first? Sure. I watched Lost Boys again. Nice. Because, you know, the one thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach. All oh, the damn, damn vampires. Uh, and a new one I watched, uh, Boss Level on Hulu. Okay, I was thinking about checking it out. Frank Grillo. Yeah. I have I have a, a thing I want to try and put this in. And as I'm thinking of it, there's maybe only like four movies, but I feel like somehow just because of how much they've come out so quickly, okay. it, it might be a thing. But it's like you would call it Groundhog Day with blank, and like that's the genre. Groundhog Day with is okay. the genre. Okay, so you know, Palm Springs and Boss Level. What else are you talking about? Groundhog Day, Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day Two. Okay. Um, there's a there's one other one I watched with a time loop in it. I can't think of it, but like I just because it, it's been so recent. Again, Palm Springs shows you the comedy side of that. This can show you the action side of it. Then the Happy Death Day shows you the horror side of it. And again, Groundhog Day shows you the comedy as well. You're but forgetting just, Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die Repeat. All you need is kill. Yeah, you know that one. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> you know. And I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that I I can think of. But it just, it's it's such a, it feels like it's such a lazy plot device, but also to see like what... But the idea that people are riffing on it to the extent that they have. I, that's yeah. what I was compelled by this. And I heard Frank Grillo is actually really great. He it, so. is, dude. And that's another guy who came from, like, you know, he's crossbones in, in a Marvel movie. Yeah. And I really like the, um, there was one he did on Netflix a while back where he literally is just driving the entire time. And I yeah. thought he held it pretty well to be like the lead of that movie, and he really doesn't ever get out of the car. Word. And he was good in, is that the first, or no, second Purge? The two, yeah, he's in two Purge movies, if I'm not mistaken. I think I missed the third one. And Purge beyond. Anarchy. Because he shows up as like a cop who's going to do something in the second one, and then the third one he's like, I'm protecting you, Senator, because you want that, to end I the Purge. I did watch the third one. Yeah. If I he's protecting somebody, that. that's yeah, that's okay. that. All right. A rewatch coming to America. I already mentioned that. Mm-hmm. My girl. Oh. Two. Oh yes. With Austin St. John. No, that's a Power no. Ranger. I was gonna say. Sorry, it's Austin something, isn't it? From Austin Nick. Like, now you messed me up, yeah. dude. Austin O'Brien. O'Brien, that's right. Yeah, from uh, Last, Last Action Hero. Yeah. Veronica had never seen it. She knew the first one. It's not like we rewatched the first one. It's just I told her there was a My Girl too, and she was like, "What is that about?" I was like, "It's great." She goes to L.A. She finds out about her mother. She finds, finds her real it, father. Finds Jeffrey Pomeroy, not a real father. I thought her real father was Dan Aykroyd. Just like adopted her. Dan. No, Aykroyd. no, no, no. She thinks that for a little bit. Oh, but no. Jeffrey Pomeroy's like, no, I'm not your father. Like, okay. I mean, spoilers for My Girl, too. Yeah, you've never seen it. 
No, Dan Aykroyd's definitely her father. Right. I forgot that... The uncle? Why, no, not at all. I remembered all of San Francisco or... Just like her California adventure in right. general. It's not San Francisco. They're in it's LA specifically. They go to the La Brea Tarpets. Yeah. Where they have the giant scene in uh Last Action Hero yeah. as well. But yeah. He takes her there and he almost throws away Thomas J's mood ring. You're like, fuck this kid. And then he's like, I'm just messing with you. And you're like, fuck this kid. That's not a funny joke. Yeah. You don't mess with Thomas J's mood ring. Anyways, she uh it's I don't know. I liked it. I don't know if it like totally holds together. Still great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The thing I was gonna say though, I didn't. I completely forgot that there's a lot of the movie before she leaves to go to California. Right. There's because they're like we got Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis, but like she's pregnant in this one. Right. So we can't like move them too far, and she's got to go there. But like, but we don't want to squander having them in the movie. But I just forgot that, like, it's probably about a solid, like, half hour, right. 35 minutes before she gets to California. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, her uncle's great. All that stuff holds up. I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, re- I mean, it's not the straight-up, like, childhood classic that the first one is. But I like that it exists, and it manages to actually kind of deepen her character. And they, they try and do some interesting things with, like, the time period that I did not pick up on okay. when I was a little kid. Um like references to how her mom was a little bit more of like subversive and like um, she's more like a Ginny kind of character from Force. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And getting all the different versions of her mom from all these different people because she's yeah. trying to kind of piece it together. It's a pretty solid Ben Stein cameo. There's a yeah. few other people. Um, it's worth revisiting, especially if you're doing. But like, why not do both? It's, and it's weird it's because like the, the my my girl two is the one that I had in my mind the most because I guess just. When when someone told me about like what happens in my girl as a kid, I instantly be remembered remember thinking like, well, do we see it? Like, how does that happen? And then when it's like you know it's the it's shot the way it shot and found out, I was like, oh okay, because I just remember hearing like okay, Macaulay Culkin gets stung by, by bees, bees and you're like, see that. oh my god, no, oh my, yeah, because you're like. What the hell? Yeah, you're picturing like some horror movie shit. Exactly, like, like boils yeah. and like just, you know, right. anaphylaxis and all that. And so, and I I know the beats of My Girl and I know, you know, like Jamie Lee Curtis and all that in the first one and whatnot. But for some reason, My Girl 2 is the one I always think of when I think of scenes. Well, I think it's also because it's like they basically made this whole movie to make up for the fact that they killed Macaulay Culkin at the end of that movie, like that they traumatized all these people. And it's like, well, look, it's okay. She's going to go on and like, she'll have relationships and find out more about herself. And maybe she'll find a new boy with blonde hair. That's a little shaggier and he's a little edgier, but really not. Not at all. Um, Yeah. He's like supposed to be kind of like a tough LA kid who has the energy of like a, a New York kid. Yeah, exactly. Really yeah. weird. Yeah. And then it that also clicked for me where I'm like, wait, last action hero, he's in New York, right? And he takes but a he trip goes to LA into to LA when he goes inside the movie. Right. And that's why I think of him as like he's a little New York shit. He's a little New York yeah. street kid. Like exactly. that's what he is. Anyways. But he I still has what, that energy in I my thought that was too. the bit you though. Know? I thought that it was like it wasn't his the uncle's kid. It was like a stepson or somebody or whatever from he, New York that is a transplant to L.A. I do. He may he I may be that, as well, but I didn't take it that way. No, 
because his mom owns the body shop. Right. And the uncle is working there and is in a relationship with the mom. So he's not a stepdad officially. That's the whole crux of that B-plot of the movie is whether he can man up and make a commitment to Rose, the woman that works there. We are way down the My Girl 2 rabbit hole. Yeah. Let's stop, please. Yeah, let's stop before we I get watch too My far. Girl 2. My only other one, uh, other than Renaissance Man, which we're... I, I don't know if we're talking about that first. No, we're not. We're not. We're going to end on a happy note. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, rewatch the comedy uh, movie starring Tim Heidecker from about eight or nine years ago that I did not appreciate the first time I saw it and now think it's absolutely brilliant and I'm glad I revisited it. Well, that's good. I think you would hate it. Don't you probably shouldn't watch it. I I <laughs> I don't know where I how I feel about him right now. Like I like him and stuff I see with him, but I don't know if I'm like that's like that's my guy. Like I think he's oh, he's, he's one of the guys now. Yeah, obviously As of he is. The last several years, he's yeah, one of my guys, and that's dope. But like I just I don't know. I don't know where that where he sits for me. I have to show you some more stuff. Yeah, please Maybe do. Maybe check out the comedy. I'd be interested to see what you think of it. Yeah, um, I would. Okay. It's free on topic right now. Oh, okay. Which we have for maybe like seven or eight more days. I don't know how long that free trial was. But I did it so I could rewatch it. Okay. So I guess you already you already established. I guess we're doing it in the bedroom first. Is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. All right. Take a trip up to Maine? Yes. Bang uh, of Maine. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, take a listen to the trailer. There are things of which I may not speak. There are dreams that cannot die. There are thoughts that make the strong heart weak, bring a pallor into the cheek, and a mist before the eye. He won't listen to me. He needs his head in school, not in her. She probably loves him. Girls always have. I've had lots of girlfriends. I don't understand why this one is any different. She's not divorced yet, you know. We're not serious, Mom. It's a summer thing. I was just thinking. About what? About you. cut it short there because it's just a lot of dramatic music and yeah. a lot of uh pull quotes from critics going this shit's intense sissy spacex brilliant uh tom wilkinson's revelation uh etc cetera, etc cetera. and then there's no more di- they don't like tag it up with in the bedroom at the end or anything right. like that so uh there you go that's the the trailer for 2001's in the bedroom uh i've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast over the last several years 
one of my all-time favorite movies, but also a movie that I feel like is a one and dunner for a lot of people, uh, but is weirdly one of those movies I go back to all the time. So I wanted to uh, force Gavin to go back through it, yeah, which uh, he did not seem excited to do. I did. But I saw I he did support my local um, secondhand shop, and I did go buy a DVD just just for the hell of it, just because. I figured somebody's got to get a little bit of enjoying out of this and think I can, you know, revel in the $10 I paid him for in the bedroom. Worth every penny, in my opinion. Of, a yeah. steal, one might say. Yeah. You own this now. I do. And I, I wonder how much you will be tempted to revisit it in the future. Maybe Never we'll again. <laughs> Never again? You're done? Nope. Okay. Uh, if someone's like, hey, you just got any really fucking depressing shit I can watch? Something to just make me feel bad and terrible for the rest <laughs> of my day? Say no more, fam. In the bedroom. It is a downer, dude. I mean, a full-on downer. And this is your second time watching it? Third or is time. This third time, okay. Um, this was probably, like, I want to say my eighth or ninth, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, what part of wanting to rewatch it is to investigate, like, why do I love it so much? Why is it one of those I, I do want to go back to constantly? Even though, like, just listening to that trailer and the moment that happens about 40 minutes into this movie, just hearing bits of that scene, I'm like, I just, you know, a chill runs up mm-hmm. my spine. Um, it is flat out, it's one of the most stunning debut films ever, period, dot. Uh, interesting little tidbit. The only movie other than Citizen Kane that's a debut feature that got nominated for fucking five Academy Awards as well. Oh, wow. And came up with a big old goose egg, by the way. Uh, We'll talk about that year's Oscars. Yeah. Whether it's worth being angry about them or not. I'll remind you what they were up against. Please do. That'll be a fun little segment. We'll get to that. Uh, The basic plot, if you're not familiar, and if you didn't catch it from the little bits of the trailer, uh, small town Maine, uh, Camden, Maine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, a, a young man played by old Nick Stahl, who some people might be familiar with. Uh, he was that yellow bastard. Uh, he was the bully in Bully, same year this movie came out. Uh, T3. You're forgetting, What Noah. do you think people know Nick Stahl from? He's Gavin in Disturbing Behavior. Oh my God, how could I forget Gavin? Yeah. How dare I? Disturbing Behavior. Classic. It is a classic, yes. <laughs> Yeah, when I was watching this, I in my head I was like, oh, the coal miner's daughter, fucking John Connor and June Tao are all in one movie. Not to, not to mention my cousin Vinny's girlfriend or Aunt May. <laughs> June Tao is where you go. <laughs> what else? Where, where would Tom I go? Tom Wilkinson's classic performance in Rush Hour, dude. He's a great villain in Rush Hour. I'm yeah, not, not but where it, else but would I know him from? Like at what? the time? Yeah, I don't know, man. What's he done since that I need to be like? Yeah, I mean the other big one. Is it Michael Clayton? Michael Clayton is the other yeah. one, which he did get the supporting for, if I'm not mistaken. Do you think it's he, a... I know he was at least nominated. Is it a re, Well, if he did, is it a rebound for this, you think? I think it was a mega... We can go ahead and get into it. I think Tom Wilkinson... This is like one of my ten favorite performances by an actor, period. I think everybody in this movie is doing like career best work. And they also happen to be some of the best actors in the game. Especially the three kind of main lead performances, all of which were nominated. Uh, I feel like they kind of left Nick Stahl out to dry. I feel like this is a great 
early like i mean i know he had done stuff before but this mm-hmm. is a great like i'm in adult movies now kind of movies mm-hmm. for and to have bully in the same year as well playing a completely different character i don't know if you remember bully but he is such a piece of shit in that movie that's the larry clark movie after kids okay brad renfro yeah 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 okay yeah okay yeah just like you know only slightly easier to swallow than kids uh but also that's a movie i'll never rewatch bully again no it's not gonna do it but he plays truly a monstrous piece of shit in that movie uh so to play this where it's like i mean so much of it is the the young love etc etc i totally stopped telling the plot a young man who should be on his way to college uh has started up a relationship with a in the process divorcee it's not official yet right she's got two kids uh she is it's marissa tomei i mean what what do we gotta say yeah there's no questions here even the you know and she doesn't have her own children right what's that i thought she i remember in real life i remember reading something about how like she plays like Aunt May, she, and plays she plays moms, mothers, but she's not a mom. She's not a mom. I think so. that might be accurate. Or she's played, she played a grandma at this point, or something. Something, like that. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if she has kids or not. I don't think so. I don't know. One of those actresses, it's like, I've never heard like, oh yeah, all the stuff about her personal life. She's just one of those people like. Never, I feel like she's one of those last old. Of she because when she got in and like, because she I mean she's nominated for my, she wins for my cousin Vinny. Hundred percent. So she comes in and it's like coming in that hot that early i think she got just like a she missed the boat on like you know she could just as easily been in that like that late 90s wave of like oh we got to know what's going on with all these actresses and like you know who's going to do these performances and stuff and i think but also she managed to like low-key be in a lot of stuff that's really good and just somehow like i maybe maybe we think oh well we gave it to her a long time ago we're not going to recognize her Whereas someone like, you know, Meryl Streep, it's like, is she in a movie? Does she want it? She can have it because we all love Meryl Streep and everything, which is a weird thing to me because I've never really been like a huge fan, but I also like appreciate the craft and stuff because I forgot to tell you, we can talk about it later because we're in the bedroom now. I did watch Nomadland like I told you I would. Anyway, let's keep going in the bedroom. Yeah. We said you also got to watch Minari and then we can talk about both of those. I appreciate Um, you not bringing it up earlier though. Uh, So yes. They start a relation, or they're in the midst of a relationship. His parents, played by the incredible Sissy Space, I can yes. the aforementioned Tom Wilkinson, uh, are alternately uh, one diametrically of his, opposed like, to the, the entire relationship. Situation. Basically, the right. dad is totally on board. Why would he not be? It's Marissa Tomei. He's literally commenting to his buddies about how attractive she is, etc. Uh, Sissy Spacek is a little more suspect because it's like, hey, you're about to go to college. Why are you messing around with a mar- or a, a, in the process? De- We're going to call her a divorcee. Whatever. Yeah. It's not final. I feel like William Maypother would like for me to let you know we're not actually divorced yet. All right? I figured we're it out. We're not divorced. It's like if you mush Tom Cruise and Pedro Pascal together. Yes. He's Bobo Pedro Pascal. That's what 100%. I'm calling him. I don't know it's what Pedro else Pedro Cruz. Pedro Cruz. That's what we're calling this <laughs> motherfucker. Cruz. Fuck Pedro Cruz. I do not like him in any movie he's been in. Simply because he plays, be- a, plays a great shit. I will give him that. Yeah. Um, because of this movie, I'm sure he's a a joy. He's probably a delight. He probably have some regale you with stories about his cousin but Tom. To the point where when he showed up on Lost, for instance, right. that I was watching, it's like he shows up in an episode. And I was just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, get this, this guy out of nope, here. He's this done. This guy did it. Yes. Whatever. Uh, Whatever the issue, problem is, is this, this guy dude. did it. 
which is weird because like I did not know fucking Tom Cruise's last name is Maypother. Yeah. Weird as shit. Yeah. They're cousins, correct? They are, yes. First cousins. Right. I'm yeah. I and he's uh, been I feel like he's he's in a couple cruise movies, but I don't He's got to be. We don't if have I'm to not mistaken, right he is he's in Anyways, he's, some of the good ones. He he's the ex-husband and think things start to escalate basically. Nah. Um there's lingering tension. He wants to move back in, start things up. Uh but Marissa Tomei's not having it. She's got her new young like super intelligent college boy that she's having fun with and seems to get along with the kids and Mm -hmm. so she's she's not down for it so this frustrates old uh what are we calling him excuse me pedro cruz pedro cruz he gets upset it's very upset yes and uh pretty where i mean do you want to go scene by scene where do you want to where do you want to hit the sack because it's okay so I, i i appreciate this as like a a slice of life main this is kind of like it has a incredible sense of place right yes. and the way that it's shot because it definitely in the dvd it feels like film it feels it, like one of the last big movies to be made on film to me well, it just for whatever and, reason and i don't know anything about lenses and camera stocks etc but it has a a particular tinge to it i agree with you where the greens are extremely rich, and when we get into it, particularly the kind of final third act sequence that takes st- takes place at dusk, essentially mm-hmm. moving into magic hour and then nighttime, is some of the most gorgeous photography. And then that, and then we go through also to the following morning, where we also get a second magic hour. Right, is some of the most gorgeous cinematography. Another one where I'm like, where where was that Oscar? Exactly. We'll we'll talk about it. Let's just lay out the plot, mm-hmm. and then we can go into detail. You talked about how well you think it's shot. The, the details are what work for me here, so that's what uh, I want to get to, and then we can right, go see my scene. Let me let me lay it out broad spectrum. Okay, Please ready? Do. Plot time with Gavin. All right, here we go. Young kid going to college starts a thing up. Supposed to just be for the summer, but he starts a thing up with a hot D four A. Okay, all you know. Slowly we see eh, ex husband not really down with it. First he's all right. But then slowly, gradually, he's starting to show his temper. He's not happy with this shit. The parents, they're they're telling him, you got to do something. You got to get ready to go to college. You got to do whatever. And then one day out of the blue, he's he's getting ready to, he's, he's, he's talked to the people at his college. He's getting accepted. It's going to be great. And he gets a phone call from one of the kids. Oh, my God, I'll be right over. What's happened? Oh, God. The, the ex has ex is shown up. He's trashed a bunch of shit. And, you know, she's like, I don't want to call the cops. I don't want to get involved. He's like, yeah, we're doing this. Like, he's finally starting to maybe, he gets that, there's a, just a glint in his eye where he's like, this is getting real. Like, the shit that, like, my dad and my mom were just talking to me about when they are patching me up, maybe maybe they're on to something. And, you know, then we get to the absolute worst fucking scene in any movie I've ever seen in that year. That comes up. We can talk about that in a minute. And essentially, spoiler alert for In the Bedroom, uh, they confront each other off camera and Marissa Tomei is, you know, coming down to just deal with it and pop, a gun goes off and she screams and Nick Stahl is dead with what looks like his eyeball bulging out of his face. And we basically get the aftermath of that 
throughout the rest of the movie, which and leads to a very, very satisfying ending, which we can talk about when we get to the end. Sure. Great point to lead off on part of what I absolutely love about this movie. You just said you don't see that confrontation. Nope. You hear, you hear it. it. You hear it, but you do not see it. The things that are left out of this movie yes, are 100% what just every little detail fucking perfect there's an early scene where they're at a barbecue right and this is the first time the ex-husband is introduced and he comes up and it's like you know he's celebrating with the uh the younger of the two kids right duncan and then we see so we see a little bit of tension between him the kids and the mom and then nick stall enters the picture and we don't hear any of that conversation no we see it through the parents eyes we see them watching it and sissy spacek asks, should we do something like should we step in and intervene here do you think this is going to escalate and tom wilkinson's like no don't worry about it it's okay but we don't hear that interaction we don't hear that conversation there's a scene a little bit later where uh you you're getting the sense that nick stall is like he's he's getting more invested in this relationship and mm-hmm. he's really thinking this might be something more, you know, maybe I'll take a year off. He's talking to her it's in the evening. He's playing with the blocks cause he's an architect in this. I also read the short story for the first time. We can talk about some of the differences. 10, um, it was 10 PDF pages. I think it's a little bit longer, probably about 15, 16 pages. Mm-hmm. Fantastic short story. Um, and this is maybe one of the best adaptations of a short story or an adaptation of anything ever just like what he did with it mm-hmm. and there are some beats and like lines of dialogue straight out of that short story hmm. we'll talk, talk about that a little bit as well but we don't uh, okay so he's showing her the the blocks and everything and he talks about like you know funny anecdote about the kids like oh if they're like this now we're gonna be in trouble implying that like i've thought about us being together long term etc mm-hmm. and kind of just as that's happening headlights come on their faces and we hear a truck roll up mm-hmm. cut don't see anything there he shows up at home beat up and we hear his account of things and how it happened but we don't see that conflict mm-hmm. it's it's hidden it's removed from us it's kept in the dark it's in the bedroom if you will in the bedroom applies to so many different things in this i love all the like yeah dual layered metaphors and the thing that like they set up in a very early scene where they take the oldest kid jason out on the lobster boat because mm-hmm. uh, yeah that works watching the... it watching it this time and getting that metaphor of like you know this is what's up you get this more is... than two of these in here and you know they're gonna yeah and it's a metaphor not only for this love triangle that's about to take place, but it's also a metaphor for he and Sissy SpaceX's relationship and whether they're going to be able to coexist after right. the tragedy that mm-hmm. befalls their family. Very key difference from the short story. In the short story, they have two other kids. Oh. They have an older son and a middle daughter, neither of which live there. He is the baby. He is their last kind of connective tissue to being parents. Mm-hmm. So there's still that thread to it. But that detail, I think shifting that is one of the most genius decisions this movie makes. That it he is their only son. Right. So 
you feel it. And again, in leaving out all of the obvious beats after he's killed, mm-hmm. okay, which is a devastating scene. Again, we don't see it. We we experience it as Marissa Tomei experiences it, right. essentially. Um, and it's it's devastating, and it's so visceral. The build up to it as well, and the menace when he when on the side of the glass door next door is like just go home and we see the look in William Maypother's eye and it shifts to just like oh she's not here then I'll just come in here and murder the fuck out of you yeah you're just like dude he's not leaving this is not good like it incredible performance in that moment and again cinematography is incredible throughout this whole movie but we we're following his view through this living room, through all the windows as he moves alongside the house, and then the realization that, like, oh, fuck, front door's unlocked. Fucking front door's unlocked. Boom, he's in here. Cut away from it. Again, we don't we don't see... We see the start of the conflict, but we don't actually see it, see it. We're back upstairs with Marissa Tomei and the kids. By the way, that whole sequence is incredible, but they're talking downstairs, there's the wreckage, and she, he's like, you gotta call the cops. This is when he first arrives gotta call the cops she doesn't want to scare the kids i don't know what to do she's like worked up and emotional and everything and then just smash cut upstairs view the oldest kid jason the dad's truck rolling into frame out the window and mm-hmm. him just screaming mom and you're like oh fuck oh this is not this is not mm-hmm. good and it just ratchets up that tension the whole time because i knew it was then, coming but i didn't know it was that quick I feel like there, I felt like there was more. It's, and it's still, it's, I mean, it, it's three act structure. It really is. It's 40 minutes in. Mm-hmm. It's literally a third of the way through right. the movie. It's, you know, it's right when there should be a big thing, but you don't expect that to be the thing. If you watch this trailer or listen to parts of this trailer, you were led to believe that, like, that conflict is something that the whole movie is building to. Right. Not that it, and I feel like, and it's not even presented as like a twist or a rug pull or anything in the movie. I don't think. I mean, is is it a shocking moment and it is staged as such to be and to stick with you and be visceral and all of those things. But I don't think it was intended with like, oh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna fucking play the shit out of this audience. I'm gonna bait and switch them, and they're gonna think it's about this one thing. because the trailers also highlighted like this is Tom Wilkinson and Sissy Spacex movie, right? And it's also about their son. But you knew that something was going to happen. Right. But again, the things that they leave out, after that shocking and intense scene, we go into like a very kind of quiet, muted period for a while where Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of dialogue. Like even the, even like the volume on the, the priest as they're burying him. Because we pretty much do a hard cut. Excuse me. We see a brief scene of Tom Wilkinson going to the school where Sissy Spacek teaches music at. Mm-hmm. But again, the things we don't see, we don't see this obvious, wrenching, yeah. emotional scene of him having to tell her, or even doing the silent version of like, you know he's talking to her, and we just see her visceral, emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. We don't even see it. We mm-hmm. hard cut to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that. that's where at every turn, this is like, I feel like if you describe this plot, you could see something like this on Lifetime. I'm sure something like this exists. Probably. You know, something along these lines. You got a little murder, a little sex, slightly older woman, a taboo thing, ex-husbands, 
etc. But and I feel like those were popular at the time as well. Mm-hmm. But this, like, the way that this manages to like never get anywhere near any of that territory is because it does not hit any of the obvious beats that you expect people to play in that. And as such, I think that's why the performances are so strong because they just all feel like real people. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like movie characters at all. And there's so much POV too, especially Matt's POV or mm-hmm. Tom Wilkins' POV. Um, and great moments like when they start meeting with the lawyer and stuff. And it's like, this guy's telling you kind of very matter-of-factly, all right, well, so because Marissa Tomei gave testimony, which was true, that she did not actually see him discharge the gun, well, now they're going to be able to argue this whole, like, that was an accident, yeah? I and didn't mean the, the, pros- the defense attorney, yeah, who is she? I guess Karen Allen. That is Karen Allen, Jones yes. And Sandlot, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah. I, I just, she just randomly popped up in there, and I was like, "Of course, fucking Karen Allen would be in Maine doing this if she wasn't acting." Like right. I thought she was just—it was just her, you know. Well, and we should say, I mean, Celia Weston, who people will know from a lot of stuff, who's in here. Um, <laughs> I every time I see her, and I love her in everything, and mm-hmm. she's great in everything. But I always think of Observe and Report when she t- when she tells Seth Rogen. I'm really trying to get my shit together. He's like, oh, Mom, you're going to quit drinking? And she's like, no, honey, I'm switching to beer. I can pound those all day and still keep my shit together. <laughs> she's brilliant. So good. Uh, but other than her, all of the kind of like local community, the priest, uh, the poker group, all of those guys, I'm like, are these just like regional theater actors? That's that what I'm found? wondering. Because they're all incredible, but I've never seen any of these people before. Or probably again. And yeah, and I was like, they're either local hires, but they're clear, they're not non actors. No, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just incredibly stacked. And again, sense of place and everything. Everybody's nailing the accent. There's no weird, like, you don't brush up against that at all. Right. It just feels of the place. It also has that, not to backtrack, but it has that great opening credit sequence of the, like, sardine factory and everything. Mm hmm. Great. I think it's Thomas Newman did the score on this, mm-hmm. which is another thing. I watched it with headphones last night, probably for the first time. Very subtle score, and the movie actually like doesn't do a lot of score. It's not overplayed at all. Uh, but when it comes in, that kind of like because prickly, stringy can, thing. The Sorry. opening is the sardine factory where he works. Yeah. He works for Strout or whatever. He used to work for the Strout guy. He did. Right. And now he has gone independent. Right. Yes. Is that not the husband's family? Yes. That is. That's okay. the whole I thing. never got that the yes. last time. So he's basically rich boy. Didn't want to. Le- this I got from the, the short story. Never bothered to learn the family business. Mm-hmm. He's basically the parat, but he kind of lives off his, his family's wealth, except he got married, got divorced, and now has like. Or is in the process of getting divorced, has child support payments, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, after this murder, which Mm -hmm. they're going to try to talk down to manslaughter, is essentially a pariah in the community. That's why he goes to work um, in that neighboring town, in a bar where nobody really knows who he is. Right. Um, But yes, and that's part of the kind of the midsection of the film, which is the kind of growing realization that, like, They've got to heal their marriage to a certain extent, but there is no way that possible for them to do that while this guy is still walking around, breathing air, 
and their son is not because Sissy Spacek sees him in public. She sees him out with women. Mm-hmm. Um, she has like the awkward interaction with him at the store as well. And um, there's the subtle thing as well. But we see we see Strout trucks mm-hmm. and signs all the time. And the idea of like you're living in a place... <laughs> That is populated by this name that is just like every everywhere you look, you're being reminded of it. Right. But then also you have to deal with the fact that like this guy is out on bail, which you didn't expect at all. And your your wife is having a hard time coping. You guys aren't really talking or addressing any of it. Um, that kind of quiet section that we talked about right after the, the murder and the funeral. Oh, I feel like it's quiet all up until they have their blow up fight. And then it's like, it really okay, is. now Every, we, everything now we know where we're there's going. A, there's a, a scene very, I mean, they kind of sleepwalk their way through the wake and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, are barely talking to each other. Incredible scene where Tom Wilkinson goes into the bedroom and just kind of looks at like, he, this was like his future. He's got all of his architecture shit up everywhere. And There's it's still like, clothes that haven't been put away. Exactly. It's just like, it's just he like just... this is the room. He literally stepped out of here and walked into that scenario and never came back. Right. Um, but Tom Wilkinson does this breakdown in there. And again, it's it's note perfect. There's mm-hmm. nothing in this movie that is overplayed or overwrought mm-hmm. or feels false or performative at any point. It just... It's so note perfect. It's just like I don't know how you. I w- and I really wonder, and maybe that's why, like the the fight that they have, I wonder where they like. You need to hit these bits. These are these lines I want from the short story. You think I let him get away with Here, everything? That's he, what I want. Here's, the, here's where I say the. But then you just thing. go. You just go. Here's but where give I me say those. the adaptation thing comes in. That scene, which you think would be, oh, this is the centerpiece, obviously. That scene is not in the short story. Right. That that conflict, not at all. I'll tell you the beats that, that are, which is essentially the conversation that he has with his buddy later in the basement. Talk uh-huh. about that. Um, the uh, It's very few little bits of dialogue. I'm trying to, because again, the fact that there's two other siblings as well mm-hmm. complicates things a little bit. But um, that's really the main scene that I remember and then the the ending and how it plays out is mm-hmm. pretty much described in in depth and they're you're kind of flashing back to moments as well along the way hmm. but there are there's a lot of individual lines and stuff but that central conflict kind of brings together a lot of elements that are hinted at in the short story the well how much was Tom Wilkinson like maybe living, getting, vicariously, living yeah. vicariously through his son maybe getting off on this in a certain way and it's like her verbally challenging him on that in the midst of their argument stands in place of like all of that's internalized like god level authorship in the short story where it's like i'm telling you that he's also having these thoughts simultaneously because it's it's from matt's perspective but it's not first person essentially Mm -hmm. so all of that's in there but it's like you don't know that the wife is necessarily the white the wife character essentially ruth sissy spacek is kind of what Todd Field said was like his why he wanted to make the movie or adapt the story in the first place because the wife character is hinted at and but you don't really get to know her at all you don't know any of her motivations so you wanted to flesh it out more for her character to make it but again what he did with it behind I really encourage again dude it's like 16 pages Mm -hmm. I really recommend you read it just as a like to see what he did with it and he talked about how he read it 
had wanted to adapt it, wanted to do it for his like I guess his senior thesis or like his whatever whatever film school or program he was in. He wanted to do it as like his third cycle of films. Mm-hmm. And his professor was like, "There's too much there. You should expand this, etc." And so he put it down and he didn't do it. And he started thinking about adapting it way down the line. And he had like had all of these thoughts about like, oh, I remember this element from the story, whatever, and had come up with all of this stuff in his head. And then he said he went back and reread it and was like, oh shit, like hardly any of this is here. Like I invented the whole backstories and stuff that I mm-hmm. hadn't, you know. And so he eventually like contacts the author, goes in and, you know, he said why do you want to adapt this basically and he said i'm really curious about that wife character And he was like okay go do it and don't ask me any more questions like Mm -hmm. just go do your thing with it don't you know i don't need to know anymore i they met and talked for a couple hours and he was like all right yeah go do my thing but just to expand it and then i I mean, part of it is just the actors. I, I you know, you could not have helped for a better cast. Well, but, yeah, because, I mean, you look at, like... And I, he wasn't... We haven't talked about this, but he was an actor himself. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Twister? Joe Field? Todd Field. Todd Field. Yeah. What was he in? in who is he in Twister? I will, I'll give you his... Uh, we'll go down the rabbit hole. I mean, for me, he's Nick Nightingale. In Eyes Wide Shut. He's the piano player. Okay. That gets Tom Cruise into the orgy. Okay. Uh, yes. Hold on. 41 acting credits, by the way. Whoa. This motherfucker's okay. only made two movies. Like, Wow. I, I don't know who's not giving him money, but what the hell? What happened? He has been in things that you would recognize. He was on an episode of Roseanne. There you go. Bunch of TV in the 90s. We're getting to the movies. We're getting there. Twister. He's... Uh, Belzer. Hmm. You would recognize. I mean, th- here. Let me see his picture. A picture of Todd Field. Yeah. I think easier. I know who you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah you know him. I know that guy. Uh, That's pretty dope, dude. I didn't know he made that movie. Now I like. I have a, a way more of an appreciation for it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's still terrible. Don't watch it. It's the worst <laughs> experience you could have as as someone. Dealing with it. I mean, listen. But I, okay. I, I, anyways, right. I think that's where the talent with the actors comes right. from. Right. Well, no, and to get to the talent point of it, I think it's interesting to watch her, his interaction with her post-death versus Sissy Spacek's interaction with her because he approaches her in her store and he's kind of timidly like behind her waiting to talk like i don't want to be an inconvenience to you can you talk to me for a minute and finally he just steps up and like he's a he's a he's a person in line whereas she comes to her and sissy spacek is like get out of here bitch i ain't talking to you backhands her sorry well yeah i I front-handed but same thing backhands the shit out of her doesn't say a word to her right puts her headphones back on and p.s we never see Marissa Tomei again. That's it. That's her final scene in the movie. Yeah. She gets backhanded, and that's it. Supporting actress nominee, though, richly deserved for her, you know, 50 minutes beforehand. Yeah. Or yeah, just incredible stuff. And again, the natural, like, those the scene with her and Tom Wilkinson in particular, and with Sissy Spacek, because it's like, gee, what do you say? What the fuck do you say? There are no words like you. And Tom Wilkinson knows that and recognizes that and tells her basically is like, I know, like, you know, there is nothing to say here. I'm just trying to check in on you. 
Oh, but he's a doctor. He's, that's what he's trained to do. Like, he knows exactly. what it's people need. Exactly. just can't let it go. And she, she talks to her priest. She's like, I just have this intense anger. Like, I and I can't let it go. And it's just the, I won't say commitment to that. But, yeah, the commitment to that where it's just like, this movie is not, this doesn't all of a sudden become about like, oh, well, they had to heal their marriage and heal each other and work past this grief and then they get to a better slightly happier place and they learn to love each other again by the end of this movie it's like no that's not what happens that's not that's not gonna work like there's you can't have that ending you pick this you pick this movie up a year two years after the end if they're still together i'm shocked that that's not what happens in real life there is no closure and all that now, there is no such thing as closure they do what they do to may Pother, and it doesn't matter it doesn't bring nick stall back doesn't give you anything right well let's let's get to that but i do want to finish talking about the centerpiece fight sequence the only other thing i want to say other than the fact that it's one of my favorite like dialogue scenes performance scenes in anything ever it's like the the murder scene would be enough of a like it sounds weird to call it a highlight, but enough of a like showcase sequence where it's like, dude, this guy just knows how to make a fucking movie. Like, holy yeah. shit. But this scene outdoes it almost. And like, this is that's the scene I think that's of. That's the scene people when probably I, remember. When I think of this movie, I think of Sissy Spacek smashing that dish and saying everything. And I also think of Nick Stahl getting shot and the kid screaming mom and Marissa Tomei's reaction and all of that stuff. The brilliant detail. After Tom Wilkinson unloads on her, like, some of the most vicious, vile shit you could ever say to a mother, much less an, a mother with one child mm-hmm. who is gone now. All who of cannot worst, have another. All of her worst fears and insecurities and the stuff you know she is beating herself up for internally the whole time. The little slights back when he was a kid, all that stuff. To throw that in her face is so emotionally devastating and then the doorbell rings and it's a little girl from a gymnastics team and she's trying to sell some candy bars and there are not many moments of like there there are moments of humor in this movie mm-hmm. and chuckles they are few and far between yes but that break of such an intense emotional scene to also show you Life just goes on. Just like in the wake scene, the first shot we see inside their house, he's looking at two little kids playing, having fun. Mm -hmm. He's looking at people milling about and having conversation because that's what happens. They're on the outside of it. This is what happens. People experience tragedy, and it's a microcosm for the final fucking shot of this movie where it pulls out and it shows you this is just one little tiny story in this house, in this space. But it pulls back to show you, like, this is just one little tiny story in this giant community and yeah, the people around it. And I, I love the, you know, his friends, his poker buddies don't know how to interact with them anymore. And he just told, just fucking say something. He has the great scene where he's like, Hey, we're not doing this. I'm not playing the like awkward thing. Like Mm -hmm. you guys say something. And his buddy comes out with a, uh, I think it's a HW, HWL Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I think it's Longfellow poem. Uh, which is just like perfectly timed and literally like, oh my god, this is brilliant. That's another that like that's not in the short story. That's the kind of thing where it's just like I'm just finding stuff that's thematically 
perfect for what I'm trying to do. Um, that has another one of my favorite Tom Wilkinson moments, which is that guy finishes that incredible monologue and delivery of that poem, and there's just a slight look between those dudes that that's essentially like a thank you, I really needed that, and that actually really helped me in this moment, but we're also men and veterans of war, and I'm not going to just be like, thank you out loud, but it's all exchanged in like a look between the two of mm-hmm. them, and it's some of the most beautiful shit I've ever seen in a movie. And again, it's those subtle little details. They're in the lawyer's room, they're getting terrible news and everything, and his eye floats to like pictures of the guy with his dog and shit and like family photos and stuff. He's talking to that same lawyer later on where it's like, are we, can we do something about this? Is there a piece of evidence we can get to like, make sure this guy gets put away. And as he's telling him once again, like, Oh, there's nothing I can really do. We hear the jingle. This guy's literally like jingling the change in his pocket. Those little, little details of, that feels so rich and feel like things you would read on a page that give you so much more depth into a character and a situation. Mm-hmm. He manages to visualize them in a way that doesn't feel like unsentimental. It feels so cinematic, but it's just fantastic visual storytelling the mm-hmm. whole throughout the entire movie. But we, it, but yes. also thematically, it does show you enough to like let you understand that like here's a guy who is a man's man who has seen war. Who has probably taken lives before maybe to atone for it has become a doctor to try and save them and what's the one person he couldn't save his son why because maybe just like his wife said maybe he was kind of into the fact that he was with hot hot marissa tomei yeah okay so in mm-hmm. having to face that and coming to the grips and reality that like she said oh i saw what go off when the cops talked to her she says on the stand, I heard it, and that slip-up is the one reason why he's out on bail and in another town. And then he gets turned down at every single avenue he goes to try every and legal legal, avenue, legally, legally have this man atone for it. And they say he may get five years, to the point that when he decides to do what he does, he tells him, I'm going to jail. I know it. Like, it's okay. Like, I am going to go. I have to go do my time. I know what I did was wrong. But in the same breath, he says, he was fucking my wife. What do you want me to do? And it's like, you are a fucking piece of shit, Pedro Cruz. I do not like you. And but you know why he's a piece of shit, Noah? If you watch that scene, when he's done, he fucking sits down at the table and puts the gun on the table and waits. Yeah. That is someone who is fucking done. That's either someone who is, my daddy owns this town, I'm not going to jail, or fuck it, I don't give a shit, I'm done, and I'm just going to wait here. That's not someone who's like, oh, I got to get, I'm, 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 that's, that's like next level psychopathy. That's not, I got to murder someone and I got to, oh my God, I'm crazy and I got to run away. It's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I came in this door with this, this gun. Methodical. Yeah. And the worst part about it, dude, is fucking Nick Stahl just saying, just put that away, put that a pop. And it is so visceral because I have been lucky to only have a moment like that happen to me once. Okay? And Okay. It's one of those where, like, I wasn't even trying to date this girl. But because I was the one that hung around after the Halloween party was over, and I'm helping clean up shit... And the crazy ex-boyfriend comes banging on the garage, looking indoors. And the next thing you know, 
the girl's mom is like, who's there? Opens the door and he barges his way in. It's like, well, shit, now I got to deal with this lady. And, you know, next thing you know, it's like, <sighs> it's crazy, man. And it was wild. And like, you know, I, we bumped into him later on at that brand new show and he apologized. And I was like, bro, I wasn't even trying to date that girl or like have sex with her or anything. I was talking to her to make this other girl jealous. Pedro Cruz. I was trying not to get Pedro Cruz. And maybe, I mean, that's not why I have such a visceral reaction to it. But that is, I mean, it genuinely is my biggest fear. Because think about it. Go ahead. What's worse than, like, this is the absolute worst thing when you think about it. You know, it's like that person who's like, hey, I, you know, I caused a wreck that killed your entire family. I'm going to go to jail now, but like, if I'm a good prisoner, there's overpopulation, they'll let me out. I've served my time, allegedly. Right. But the idea that like, you, it isn't an accident, this isn't anything other than you wanted to kill my son for whatever reasons were, doesn't matter, you came into a home you weren't welcome in, you shot my son, and you are not going to pay for it in any way whatsoever. I cannot imagine, because I know this happens all the time, I cannot imagine what it does to people to know that someone else has taken a human life and there will be no retribution for them on this earth. Again, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't bring anybody back. But on some level, there has to be some sense of fairness and some sense that like things are right because it's not right that your loved one's gone. So at the very least, the person who took them should have to go too. That's a big thing why like people just can't imagine the Amish. Like I watched a thing where some guy hit a horse and buggy and killed this Amish man's entire family. And the Amish guy forgave him, prayed for him and spoke, spoke high, spoke, spoke at his trial. And that is what kept the guy from getting like the forgiveness is. And it, it boggles my mind that someone can do that, but I get that that's someone of a, who has strong faith and realizes that I don't need to. I don't need to be the reason why other lives are ruined. My life has been ruined, but I have enough faith in God to say I'm not going to let this other person's life be ruined and have that man leave. You know, his family be ruined too. Why should yeah. I? But to get to this point, I fucking hate Pedro Cruz, and I'm so glad <laughs> what happens to him because if that happened to me and I was in the bedroom by someone. I would hope that dad tracks them down, drives them out to the woods, shoots them in the fucking chest, or in dad's case, the fucking face. I hope dad would shoot him mm-hmm. in the face and bury him on someone's property where no one will ever fucking find him again. That's all what I hope happens. <laughs> dad, if you're listening, I love you, and now you know what to do in case something happens. Yeah. Love you too, dad. <laughs> Our own personal Tom Wilkinson. Uh Yeah, I mean, I guess we can just get into the back there. I didn't tag up on the end of the argument. The beauty after the sorry, gym, yes, excuse me. After the gymnast girl shows up and selling candy bars, and he buys a few or whatever, brings them back in. He immediately apologizes, and it's just like nobody should ever have to hear that shit. Like I can't believe I said it to you. She apologized too. Cause she said some hurtful shit as well. Again, they're throwing. They are intentionally out to hurt each other mm-hmm. because they're both 
hurt people and but they to, haven't let any of it out to like, watch them in scenes before this where she's like she notices his drinking he notices how she is and stuff how she's starting to smoke dude great scene earlier it's like the first scene they've been around each other that we've seen post funeral and she's sitting downstairs watching tv smoking which she pretty much is permanently for the rest of the movie and tom wilkins is just sitting off the side of her and it's all all of these scenes it's the most innocuous shit like on television but i listened just hearing it i was like is that the dude from yes dear being interviewed on like a late night talk show and i was like that's exactly what that is oh my it's the lead actor in yes dear oh my and i'm God. like yeah this is like note perfect like this is what you would pick it's like yeah this is like you know the kind of mindless shit that you just She's not watching this. She's not wrapped up in it in any way. It is her a mind means is, for you, her and, to and not is, engage and listen, or talk and that is to. The, that is the beauty of watching her with that because you can see it in her face that her eyes are on that TV set, but those gears are going a mile a minute up in her head and like they're just it's everything. Well, it and, is everything going on. And let's let's not spoil the the ultimate sissy thing until we get to the very end, which is one of my other favorite aspects of this entire movie. So. We've already been out to his friends, one of his poker buddies' place, mm-hmm. the one who's married to Celia Weston. They've kind of it's kind of the first time they've been out, right, to do a thing in a bit. And to her credit, Ruth, Sissy SpaceX, she's she's game. She's making small talk and everything. Devastating scene with her and Celia Weston where she's like, she asks Celia Weston, "How many grandkids do you have?" And she struggles to remember them all. Yes. Because she has so many, many children. Mm-hmm. And then she just kind of realizes in the moment, like, oh my God, this is like the worst thing I could be saying. But Sissy Spacek, she doesn't just break down crying or any of that. So she just, she's like, you know, we always wanted to have more. And, but then we didn't. And then Matt had his practice. So we had, we had the one, we had Frank. And it's just that is so much more devastating because she's like you she's not she's not trying to she's not looking for a pity party she's not wanting like emotional comfort she's not trying to make her feel bad for having a family that still exists or whatever she's just like yeah i don't have my son anymore but it's so again note perfect it's not this overwrought like oh my god she brought up and she wasn't even thinking. She's talking about kids. And Sissy Spacek doesn't have a kid. It's not this whole, like, eh, thing. It's just it's how people actually talk to each other. It's mm-hmm. fucking great shit. But we set up. They have this remote place. You have to use the... There's the little turnaround bridge. That, that guy, man. That dude just yeah. was spinning the bridge. Yeah. So we set that up. And we also have a beautiful shot, which I had never caught, honestly, until this viewing where we first see that Matt is staking out Pedro Cruz's place. Yeah. And it's also the reveal that he's a veteran. And I love that they do it by it's like, wait, okay, that's his, I guess that's Matt's car. He's listening to the the Red Sox game. I definitely know that's his car. Okay. That looks like, oh shit, that's the ex-husband's truck. Okay. Whoa, whoa, what's going on? Is something about to happen here? Why is wait? Why is the camera shifting down here? What do you want me to see? Oh, vet, veter. Oh, he's a veteran. Oh, so he knows how to handle himself. Oh, maybe file that away for later. 
but it's it's not like it's just it, you know it's visual storytelling. If you if you got up to take a piss and you didn't hear it and you were like, oh, there's no dialogue happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like you're missing it. Just every time I go back to it, it's so rich in detail. Mm-hmm. There's not a wasted frame in it. It's one of those movies. Great stuff. He t- talks to I think it's Willis. He talks to his friend and he's like. I'm real broken up about it. I'm real. He was. He's like, yeah. I really hate like that. This is happening. Like he's. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Candidate for one of the best buds in movies. Oh, right up there with what's, bro, what's his um, face from uh from uh, Bellflower. Midnight special. Oh, I thought we were and Midnight, Midnight special. Oh hell yeah! And yeah, Tyler Mid- Dawson from yeah. Bellflower. Bellflower as well. Midnight special. This guy. He's just like Fantas- let's do it, dude. Never let's... thought of it before. And we need to shout out the actor because yeah. you know we because it's one of those. I was just like when that happened. I was like, oh. Okay, because I never, I mean, again, the first two times I watched it, I never picked up on, like, one, veteran, and two, like, I got, it. like, I meant, this time I remember them being like, it's like 500, 300-something acres, or 300-something miles, or something like that, of land he owns. His friend is Willis Grinnell, mm-hmm. played by William Wise, who doesn't even have a picture on IMDb, wow. so definitely either a local Unse- or first-time yeah, guy. Like, but yeah, perfect. dude, Willis in, in the bedroom candidate for best friend of all time yes so he's telling me he's like i hate this guy you know what he's gonna get off well this whole that whole scene again is like line for line the story he recounts about like remember that woman who killed her husband and dropped him off the whatever bridge mm-hmm. um and sweared the whole way that nobody helped her dropped her off with a hundred pound weight or whatever yeah, she's out now she's moved on yeah. she's married and, who again. Have, and whoever helped her where the hell are they? they yeah uh that whole setup, all yeah. of that, straight out of the short story. And he said something to the effect of like he's bad, like even his. He said my kids went to school with him. him. He, he was, was a, he, he was, was a shit, shit then, even back then, basically. Yeah. And the, they can't the even other line, which is a total classic, which is like, you ever notice how even the worst bastards have friends? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so and prior to that, like Matt had gone and tried to like meet up with a guy who like worked with him tangentially, just, and he's grasping at straws at this point where he's like. Has any has he maybe bragged about it? Has he mm-hmm. randomly said something to somebody who would possibly be willing to testify? Like I need some other form of evidence now that you know the Marissa Tomei testimony is basically you know it going to be thrown out or not not going to be of any use. So, anyways, they have that scene in the basement, but like we don't get a scene of like okay, so here's what we're going to do to him. Blah blah blah. Mm-mm. We just all they of a sudden go just, do it. We're, doing sudden, it. we're just in this scene. Yeah, we're just there, the watching other, him, watching sorry, him try and like the pick other, up the, chip, the other even? best. But you still have to watch it. I can't remember. If I, did I give you Rolling Thunder yet? Not yet, dude. Tommy Lee Jones is a yeah. candidate for best bud in there, but he has a great line where it's like they have the whole setup, and then he's just like, he says nothing, and he's like, "I'll get my gear," and then they just proceed. Yeah, that's to the do whole what reason. That's do. the whole it's reason the I want to watch that movie. Thing in the world. That's so what good. Erica told me. That's what they watched. At some grindhouse thing when she lived in Texas, and Tarantino showed up. He was showing it there, and she's like, "Yeah, the whole movie is like, the big deal is like, you know, this guy has this whole thing." And Tommy, they don't just like, "I'll get my stuff," and then they go whatever. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, I have to watch this movie now." But I've never, never watched it. So good. Anyways, so the scene's just happening. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't necessarily know what's up. No, not really. It's kind of revealed to us in the moment, and it is. It is the most slowed down in moment to moment the movie has been thus far, even though the movie has been had a certain amount of stillness to it as mm-hmm. well. Uh, okay. 
meets him outside the bar as he closing up shop. We had a great, a great moment. If you needed to remind yourself, that this guy's a fucking piece of shit. He's hitting on some girl that works at the bar with him. And she's basically like, go home, you fucking drunk. And he's like, fuck you, bitch. As she's driving away, like mm-hmm. out of earshot. Yeah. And then as he turns around, Tom Wilkins is right there. And Tom Wilkinson has a look almost of like, yeah, I made the right decision here. I definitely should be doing this. Like, fuck this guy. Right. But he's, oh, God, so much great interplay. Eventually he reveals he has a gun. And he's like, get in the car. We're driving to your place. And he's a little reticent, but he gets in there. He starts asking a few questions. And they don't really talk that much. I think he says... I think at some point in this, he says he was making it with my wife. Yeah, he's making it with my and wife. He, he puts the gun to the back of his head yeah. and is basically like, don't talk right now. Drive to your house. Mm-hmm. They get there and it's all, it's slow and methodical. You, it's exactly how you would intelligently in do the, this the if you bro- were doing and it. And the brilliance of it is, is he says, pack warm clothes. Mm-hmm. Pack clothes for warmth because it's where well, you're going, you're going to be gone for a while. You need to have clothes for when it gets warmer. And I heard that and I was like, this motherfucker is cold blooded. He is going to get what he wants. There's moments at no in the, sh- in the short he's story do it. where they talk about he's like, he decides to do that lie in the moment and then starts building on it and then starts judging himself for giving this guy the sense of hope and all of that. Oh no, I loved it. But no, you that's should. what I'm saying. I, I loved it in this because it felt like it was like, dude, this was planned to a T like they had this planned out. We just never saw the plan and then things get, they don't. And the brilliance of it and the tension is you were waiting for at any moment in this for it to flip and go the other way. Cause you're like, you've seen that he has been the William Maypother character, Pedro Cruz. He has been so menacing. Yeah. Before. And so, and you're like, I know Tom Wilkinson's a veteran, but like, he's, he's he's got a few years on him. He's not a young man, and what? But see, what's I looked gonna at, happen here. But the, like, I looked at it as like the lie, and like, you know, I just you gotta but be gone. Start- Somebody's gonna like that. I feel like was like, oh, he's lulling him into a sense of like exactly. Yes. Okay, and when he realizes like, oh, well, you're gonna okay, you get that it was an accident. Like, maybe he believes that, like, the father of the man he killed he thinks that it was... It, the the yeah. ultimate thing is he's like, we, it's the trial. We, I can't put my wife through that. Yeah. She keeps seeing you in town. You just I, gotta just go away. I can't have you here, so we just need you to go somewhere else. Yes. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you think, you know, if I could have done it before, I would have already done it. You know, I could have given him a false name or gotten on a train, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he's like, you know, don't worry about it. You've got more people helping you now essentially that's the reveal to him that like oh okay there's somebody else in on this and he's like it's really late there's no flights from the airport this time of night oh excuse me while they're packing the great detail two main things he sees the kids drawings on the wall Mm -hmm. two boys drawings and i guess we're meant to believe this is probably his this is his like either new house or old you know this was like not their house shared together. This right. is probably this is like, like a bachelor pad where like yeah. yeah, and he has some stuff from the kids. And he has very little else. It's very sparse. Yeah. Um but he has some pictures of the kids and he has a picture of him and Marissa Tomei. 
and that kind of comes into play a little bit later but they again have an interact you know he was trying to make it with my wife he doesn't really into, and he's he's like you know i was just trying to get back together he was always there and i'm at this point i'm just like dude just shut the fuck, fuck up. up like why are you running your mouth right now but it adds to the because you're just like oh my god like what are we building to here mm-hmm. so he lulls him they're about to roll out he leaves the amtrak ticket in there before they peace out get in the car and he tells him hey, there's no flights right now and he's like somebody's gonna keep you that's where we're going to for a bit so he tells him to drive tells him to turn on the game and kind of nods off for a bit because he's like alright he's gonna take me there he's not gonna like get stopped by the cops he trusts me at this point mm-hmm. drive him out there they miss the cut off turn or whatever they get to the driveway of Willis mm-hmm. Willis is coming out <laughs> He goes to hand him the bag. Uh, excuse me. Tom Wilkinson goes to hand Pedro Cruz. <laughs> I love that we're sticking with it. Yeah. The bag fakes him out with his luggage, pulls the gun, and then shoots him in the chest. He's worming around down on the ground, and he puts, I think, two more in him. I think in so. In his back. In the short story, he shoots him once, he's crawling on the ground, and then he kindly goes up and puts a single one more in the back of his head. Slight change, whatever. Um, but Willis is like, I love the reveal of like, oh, Matt, this is, he seems kind of shocked by it, and you're like, oh, fuck, was he not expecting this? Like, they really were going to take him to the airport, and he's like, he's like, this is not what we, we planned, we were going to take him out in the woods yeah. later. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. Hard cut to them with him wrapped up, towing him behind with uh, ATVs. Yeah. All oh, this is brilliantly shot out in the woods like i don't know how he got it's like it seems like all just natural light and i don't know obviously you could probably do some crazy color correction and shit at the time but some of the shots he gets in this is just incredible so they bury him they're a little behind on schedule they they drive back into town they re-put his car out by the bar uh toss the keys i believe at some point i don't know if they show that or if that's in the short story i'm maybe conflating the two at this point Mm -hmm. tom wilkinson gets home he strips everything off showers all of this stuff and of course this is tracking where i'm like i remember thinking in my head the first time i watched they were left her recital right she finally had the recital where she was having the girl sing and he leaves there to go do this because she doesn't know where he's been, right? No, 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 no. Oh. No. Well, you and you could debate that if you want to, but we'll get into that in a second. I don't know that it's necessary. It might be the night of the recital. We see them at the recital, and that's kind of the haunting like prelude to that evening, we assume. Right. Okay. But I don't think it's meant to—we don't physically see them leave— that sequence or maybe we do i thought he leaves it on his own and she's still there doing whatever i may have i may have actually missed that shot this time i just not thought i don't know regardless he arrives he comes back home he goes upstairs he comes in she's awake Mm -hmm. and she's smoking and she says did you do it Mm -hmm. to me that is the most that's the reveal of like he's after to to me in my head, after they get their shit together, essentially after they're and have yeah. that catharsis of like I've said every 
terrible fucking thing I could say to you. You said the same back to me. But we're finally talking. We're finally having a dialogue. In my head canon, again, given all the stuff that we don't see in this movie, they talk about it like that day. It's like, I keep seeing him in town. Like, I keep seeing this guy. The The tail end of that scene is, well, I gotta, I gotta get rid of him then, or whatever. But that, to me, that was the ultimate reveal. When he comes home and you're expecting, like, oh, he's going to crawl into bed with her, and, like, is she even going to get the satisfaction of knowing that the guy is gone or mm-hmm. any of that, or he's just, you know, he's not going to be around anymore, but will the husband, is this going to be a secret that he keeps? That's immediately where I thought this movie was going to end the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like he goes and does this thing for her, which gives him closure, but she's still kind of robbed of the closure, right? etc. And when he comes in and she asks, did you do it? I took that as like, oh, fuck. They... She knew what he was going to do. She knew of the plan, etc. The only one who was in the dark was the was Willis's wife, mm-hmm. who they gave a pill, which they again brilliantly they, yeah. set up. Early, They're worried about like that. They're early. worried about the guy yeah. on the bridge, whether he saw them at a certain time. Like it's it's methodical in in their intention. Yes. So you know, like you said, you don't see it, but you know that they went over this to a T. Exactly, and that's why again, I I'm like. I know he and Sissy Spacek have discussed this, and that's why. But I loved that moment, and she, you know, I believe the last lines are like she's like, "Oh my God, you must be so hungry!" Like I know you've been all you out, eggs? out all night, like killing this guy and burying him, etc. Do you want eggs? Do you want coffee? And like that's pretty much it. And we, um, oh, and there is the line of like, there is a picture of him and her and her. She something about her smile, and she says, "What was it?" And he says, "I don't know." And that again is an echo of the short story as well, where it's like he still has so much emotions wrapped up in like the Marissa Tomei of it all, and like how much did I contribute to this, and like you know, idolizing her a bit still, and like mm-hmm. wait, well, there were all these rumors about like. They had cheated on each other in their marriage before. Was she the one? Did she start it? Did he start it? Who was in the right? I think she was the innocent here, but maybe she wasn't. Maybe she really did love him. Did I take this guy away from his wife and kids, essentially? Like, maybe he could have worked through this. Mm -hmm. Is it justifiable? All of that. And again, all of that is just playing on Tom Wilkinson's face. But it's not anything that's just there or spelled out for you. It's just all in the acting. And then, like I said, a reference earlier, but we get that incredible just kind of like, here's their house, here's their neighborhood, here's their town, here's their city, and we're done. And that's that. Um, Again, note perfect, would not change a thing, flawless acting, I think an impeccable script, it's gorgeously shot, and it's, it's tense, and it's super well made, and it's engaging for... For as heavy as the material is, mm-hmm. I find it incredibly watchable. I agree. And, it, yeah, I I wish he made more movies, man. I don't know what else to say. He did Little Children several years after this. Okay. Which is excellent as well. Um, I don't hold in quite the same esteem as this, but I also have not rewatched it. That's a one and done for me. But the... The long gestating and never quite happened dream project. He was supposed to make 
an adaptation of Blood Meridian or Ooh. An Evening Redness in the West by Cormac McCarthy, the most violent Western ever written. Uh, he got it the farthest along, I think, of anybody. Ridley Scott was going to do a version at one point, never happened. Hmm. Todd Field had this thing, I think, close to production multiple times, and it never came together. Hmm. He does have a few things listed as in production. My Secret Hope 2021-2022 is the year Richard Linklater and Todd Field re-enter the world of movie making. (laughs) (laughs) I could see that. I could get behind that. That's my secret hope. So, uh, 10 out of 10. Masterpiece. Flawless. One of my favorite movies ever. I don't have much more to say about it. Thank you for going back through it with me. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you... Glad you responded. Again, the the main thing and the thing I get out of it more and more every time I go back is the actual craft of the filmmaking and the the storytelling and mm-hmm. how how deep it goes and like it's to take again sixteen pages of a story and imbue it with this much depth and character and like deep resonant themes. I think is remarkable. And the last thing we will end on. Because I know you want to get to Renaissance Man I at do. some point. Uh, we got to talk about the Oscars. Okay. Well, you cue the Oscars up. I'm going to uh, take a short bathroom break. Will the court be willing to grab me a short bathroom break? This <laughs> uh-uh. madman, Your Honor. <laughs> what of this fool they have is pitiful rope. <laughs> I'm kicking my ass. Do you mind? Classic, classic Jim Carrey. Yeah, no, I feel like Liar Liar does not get talked about. Do you you remember that, like, I I called up to American Video multiple times a day for, like, a week to see if they had a copy of Liar Liar available for us to rent? I don't remember anticipating it that much, but... We saw it in theaters, didn't we? I think we did, too, so why were we waiting for the... VHS. I guess we just really well, wanted to see it. Again. Yeah, we thought it was funny. We just thought it was amazing. Okay. I mean, it wasn't as cool as my dad running Kazam for us, but you know. Okay. Adapted screenplay. Okay. Again, I just highlighted what an incredible adaptation this movie is. Loses to a Beautiful Mind by Akiva Goldsmith, the writer of Batman and Robin, and many <laughs> terrible pieces of shit, who occasionally writes decent things. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was also up against Shrek, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and Ghost World. I, I I would have even given the edge to Ghost World, but a beautiful mind. Come on, come on now. Okay. Original score, not even nominated. I can kind of understand it though. You got a you got a Lord of the Rings, a Harry Potter in there. You got John Williams for artificial intelligence AI. Oh wow. Um, Beautiful Minds, James Horner, and Randy Newman. Randy Newman. <laughs> Monsters, Inc. And Fellowship One. Uh, supporting oh. Actress. Okay. Marissa Tomei in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Maggie Smith, Gosford Park. Mm-hmm. Kate Winslet and Iris. Mm-hmm. Helen Mirren in Gosford Park. And the winner, Jennifer Connelly in A Beautiful Mind. A.K.A. We didn't have the balls to give it to you for Requiem for a Dream the year prior. Yes. So here you go. I'm just saying. You know, that's it. That's 100%. When's the last time you watched A Beautiful Mind? Yeah. Fucking Ron Howard. Here, and again, 
we can't really argue with this. Are you looking at it too? No. I'm going to read them to you. I just want you to spoil it. Best actor at the 74th annual Academy Awards. Will Smith for Ali, a movie we've covered on Manhunters. Go back and check that out on the movie arc feed. Uh, one of one a nomination that has not aged well for some people, I'm sure. Sean Penn for I Am Sam. Yeah. I think it was controversial at the time that people were like, I don't know, is this too much? Is this too much? Tom Wilkinson in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. Now remember, the only reason he probably doesn't win? He won for Gladiator. Year prior. And the reason Tom Wilkinson really doesn't win? Do you know what year this is? This is the year of Lord of the Rings. This is the year of fucking Alonzo Harris, baby. This is oh, oh <laughs> this yeah, is it's Denzel impossible. winning for Training Day. There you was mean no... Denzel winning for all the other times he didn't win? Before. Exactly. I there was no possible way that Tom Wilkinson would win. It was just sheer bad luck, right? But and here's the thing: if we want to get right down to it, better performance. Yeah. The factor that made Training Day so explosive and fantastic is we hadn't seen that side of Denzel. No, we hadn't. And he had also, again, not been properly acknowledged beforehand. But then again, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Wilkinson gets his due with Michael Clayton, which is an incredible supporting performance. Another one where it's like, dude, spoilers for Michael Clayton, but that's another movie. Where there is a death about 40 minutes in that you are not expecting at all. I haven't seen it. You never... All the way through. I just know George Clooney's like a handler dude or something. Dude. Fuck it. I got my next 2 by 2 pick. That's 2007, baby. That beats the rule. Okay. You've never seen it start to finish? I've seen like the opening 10 minutes and then that's it. Again, I'm not going to overhype it. Because it's unoverhypable. Dude, one of the best, just the best movies ever, dude. I adore Michael Clayton. Okay. Saw it in the theater with Barum, and both of us were just like, we like, we went in the afternoon, like after school, it was 2007, dude, like one of the best movie years ever, and it was just like a Wednesday in the middle of the week after school, it was like, dude, you want to go see that Mike, you want to go see that Clooney movie? Michael Clayton? Mm Mm-hmm fucking floored like we both were just like dude that was so good we still talk about it every once in a while we're just like dude do you remember michael clayton every time we saw michael clayton i watch it probably once a year yeah definitely one of those random movies that i've seen like 10 or 15 times for no reason okay um but yeah anyways yeah you were never going to be able to beat denzel unfortunately and that will also probably remind you that this was the Halle Berry Monsters Ball year. Ooh, kind of undeniable, yeah. but that's what keeps Sissy out of the out of the conversation. Right. Uh, you also had Nicole Kidman and Moulin Rouge, Judy Dench and Iris, and Renee Zellweger for Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just while we're at it, oh, this is a fuck. That's right. I've been pissed about this one before. So, Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Nick Stahl does not get a, a nomination. Tell me whether you think he deserved one or not. Mm-hmm. Jim Broadbent for Iris. 
who wins. You'll remember why I'm so pissed about this. Ian McKellen, nominated as Gandalf, one of the few acting nominations for a Lord of the Rings cast member, I will point out. Mm-hmm. Didn't win. John Voight for Ali. Now, you could have gone... You could have gone Jamie Foxx there. You could have been ahead of the curve, giving it to Jamie, but, you know, it is what it is. Ethan Hawke for Training Day. 100% needs to be in the category. I would not drop that. But couldn't win because you can't give it for the same movie. You could have. Have but they ever? I don't think so. Exactly. Not going to do it. I don't know if it. that's ever happened. You imagine how he's got to feel. He gets nominated but for the that. The one I did not mention that we have talked about before and 110%. Should have been the winner, and it was also a prior candidate for a 2 by 2 And maybe I'll bring this one back up right now, because you said we were just going to tease a bunch of possible ones. Yeah. Ben Kingsley for Sexy Beast. Yeah. Huge miscalculation. Why? I guess he had gotten it for Gandhi, is that right? I believe so. So maybe it's it's the case of he's got one, so why not? But but they give it to... Don Logan? But they give it to fucking Meryl Streep all the time. I mean, yeah, exactly. I don't get it. I really don't. Guys get it. can only get one, you know. Yeah. I guess I don't know what the rules is. It's, it's um, just. And then, of course, I. It lost uh, best picture to a beautiful mind, of course, and I believe that means it also lost best director if Todd Field was nominated, which he should have been. Yeah, man. I don't think he was. He wasn't nominated, was he? Disappointing year, but as as always, the movie that doesn't win usually ages better. I, but yeah, here's my thing, and the reason I wanted to do a podcast, and the reason we've talked this long about it, I feel like there's no cultural conversation around this movie at all. It never gets brought up. I never hear anybody reference in the bedroom. No, they don't. Positively or negatively, I just feel like it has completely. Disappeared from the discourse. The crop of movies I just listed for you there, though, that Oscar year. We had Training Day, which I think has a presence still. Moulin Rouge, which I feel like had a huge moment, and nobody talks about it anymore. I feel like after Australia, Baz Luhrmann pretty much disappeared. Excuse me. He had Great Gatsby. What am I talking about? I was going to say, yeah, he did. Excuse me. He did have a comeback after Australia, which was kind of a letdown. Um. But what else are we talking? We're to Gosford Park, which is that was late Altman, good movie, but I feel like it was more of a you know, it had a great ensemble, so it was easy to like throw a lot of noms. It was a very Oscary movie. Yeah, it's the kind of the movies context. that Hollywood would love to. If you make a movie about Hollywood or like about you know Hollywood ish stuff that Hollywood types would be like, this is great and sophisticated well, and amazing. They'll give you a nod. Well, and. It's emblematic as well. Again, there's no conversation around it. Where are these movies anymore? Well, The Lord of the Rings is on HBO right now. No, no, no. <laughs> Where are the in the bedrooms now? Where are the intelligent adult dramas with big weighty themes? Like, where are they at, man? Netflix. This was a like, this was a hit. Yeah. This was a fucking hit on its budget. It also has the rare distinction of being the highest grossing movie, non-IMAX movie, mm-hmm. the highest grossing movie to never appear in the top 10 at the box office. It never even cracked the top 10. It just kept making money. Million dollar budget. 
You want to take a guess at the domestic? Or do you want to take a guess at the worldwide? 135. 135? On a million dollar budget? That's wishful thinking, bro. Like, what? What did it make? $135 million? Yeah. I would love to live in a world where this made that. You said it made all this money. It did. How much did it make? It had a million dollar budget. 1.7. Mm-hmm. Domestically, 35. Worldwide, 44. For this type of movie? That's huge, dude. What are you talking? That's... Yeah, I guess. That's $40 million straight profit. There wasn't like a huge ad campaign or anything behind it. Well, do you think, you know oh, well, saying? maybe that's it, dude. Maybe they spent they, the money on the ads for the Oscars. I'm just saying they made this on the back of all of the awards consideration and the nominations, all of that stuff, which speaks to the importance of award shows even when you don't win them, mm-hmm. which is good. Just wanted to point all that out. But I'm just saying, a movie like this that came out was incredibly well-received by critics and maybe was not something they could drop into... 1500 theaters right off the bat but had some established stars in it and the kind of narrative you could build an ad campaign around over time it made its fucking money give me a couple more two million dollar adult dramas and give them some legs and give them some time and see what they can do what's the harm that movie made 40 million dollars profit so because it's not well, we spent three hundred million and it made a billion. It's still profit. It's all a money game, right? I'm just saying. I don't cost benefit analysis. I, I, I don't appreciate that you're talking to me like I'm the one doing this. You're in charge. <laughs> they told me you were in charge. <laughs> they told me you were the guy to see. I honestly, dude, I. You have to remember what year. Did this movie come out? When did it debut in theaters? 2001. What what month? Like Oscar season, I think. Like, like January? February? No. It was. It came out for us and for like the general public in February of 2002. Okay. Like before the Oscars would be happening right. that year. But it's a 2001 movie because it opened in New York and L.A. Okay. Had its Oscar qualifying. Okay. Played in indie theaters. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. This is the Miramax movie, by the way. Okay. Okay. Not that we have to mention. That. Right. But again, not for not for circumstances. I feel like one of the reasons why it did hit that is because it is a cathartic tool for the giant, hey, hey, put that gun down, boom, that we suffered in September of that of that year. So if you have a bunch of people going even, to see yeah, it, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You have a bunch of people even going to see it. Think in, about the nine eleven of it in all, December in of this movie. and all that. It is a cathar- the reason why it came out and then it kept people kept going to see it is we're less than six, we're not even six months removed from that. So it plays that people can go see this thing and be like, well, what is it? And then they, maybe they go back and tell somebody. Dude, I feel it, like it probably had great word of mouth because it's sure a movie it that like just sucks you in, right? And I feel like makes kind of there's so many if you go through kind of the the web of IMDb user reviews, mm-hmm. there are so many people echoing. I was glad to see essentially my same sentiment, which is like, um, this may not be my favorite movie ever made, but it is a perfect film, right? Um, or it is extremely effective in this regard or whatever, and it's like 
yeah, this is not like an easy sell, but it's also one that like if you sit down and watch it, I challenge you to come away from this movie and not and be like, oh, I, yeah, and to have a a middling. You reaction will have a to reaction. It. You will have a visceral reaction. Right. You may want to turn it off forty minutes in, but yeah. you know, it's gonna make because you, you feel forget something. that is what I that that is the only part of that movie I remember when it came out. Somebody oh, no, watched 100%. it somewhere. Mom watched it, yeah. Right. And I just remember that happening and being like, what? No. So, And then I was just like, ugh. I don't th- we didn't even address this. Mom rented it, presumably because it was a big awards contender and it had you know, gotten a lot of praise. Mm-hmm. Remember she had it from Blockbuster. I remember kind of like half, I was in and out of the room or whatever mm-hmm. for the first little bit. I remember that scene where yeah. Nick Stahl gets killed, and I sat and watched the rest of that movie with her. I remember that part. And so that was my introduction, though. Is like I didn't really catch all of the like setup, you know, of the family dynamic, how they felt about the relationship. I just saw, like, oh, I what, and I could tell mom was like not expecting that. And then I was just super invested. And then where it ultimately goes with Tom Wilkinson, even as a, I was, I was 10. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, 10 or 11. And I knew enough to be like, this is like really intense and engaging, but I don't think I revisited it properly for like another two or three years after that, probably when I started to get into my sycamore phase of just renting stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. That's when I really fell in love with it. And I've pretty much been watching it. Yeah, because I can remember you renting it from Sycamore. (laughs) Yes. My DVD copy I have is from Sycamore. When they closed down, I bought their DVD copy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I. Thank you for letting me get all that out. Yeah, I know. That, that's one of the longest sections of a two by two we've done. But thanks. Yeah. All right. We're gonna go for two hours on Renaissance Man. We could do that. <laughs> try and lighten up the mood. Yeah. A bit. All right. Uh, so yeah, that was in the bedroom. I, you, so thumbs up. Yeah, I give it one thumb up. <laughs> one thumb. Well, that makes two, brother. Yeah. You know. There we go. Just, I'm just saying. Just make sure, regardless, whatever happens, you just have to ask the questions. Okay, so are you really divorced? Are you just separated? (laughs) Okay, you have kids. All right. They're not going to call me dad, right? Okay, cool. Does his dad own, like, the biggest fishing company in town? Yeah. Because that might be an issue. (laughs) I mean, and I get that you're older than me, and the possibility is that, like, you may pass before I do. So if we have our own kids, there's that to worry about. However, I just need to know, one, how crazy is your ex? Where does he stay? And does he have a gun? Do you have a gun? Do you have a gun in this house? Okay. Can I bring my gun in? Because that's what I always ask. I'm like, my gun's in my car. I, and I know if anything happens, I just got to get to my car and I'll be okay. But if I get hemmed up in somebody's house and I can't get out, I'm going to get into bedroom. That's just where my mind has always been. It's just like, I can't bring the gun in with me because that's going to be awkward. But if I don't, if, if I know somebody's coming in, and I'm there. I got. I, if I can get outside and get to my car, I got a fighting chance. If not, somebody comes home when they're not supposed to. And I didn't. You know, most of the time I've never even known about it. But like, again, this could be an argument for like, you know what? Maybe it's just better if you, you know, have sex with a husband and wife at the same time. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Like open marriages and swingers. Do just do that. You won't get in the bedroom. That it's would have been simple. a very, very different direction. And I think based on the title, that's what a lot of people think this is. It's like an infidelity movie. Right. I honestly think. I mean, um, legally it is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you want to get into you that, get that technical. Big <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Uh, so yes, please everybody stay safe. Don't get in the bedroomed. And uh, but <laughs> if any, but any, if anybody you know does, please Tom Wilkinson the fuck out of your Pedro Cruz. <laughs> right, actually, and, and but at the same time, also if you know someone who is experiencing that, you should have them get help. I know it's a big thing yes, that we don't talk about. Not it's it's the whole thing about why yes. don't she leave? It doesn't matter if you or anybody you know has ever experienced any kind of spousal abuse or anything. There's plenty of places out there that you can go to. There's plenty of people you can talk to, support networks. It's tough out there. She she shows it in the movie. I don't even know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to call the police because she just doesn't want to make it a thing. But And it's it's just... completely understandable for people to have that mindset. But we just need to say, we've, we've made jokes, don't get in the bedroom. But also, don't it, you don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be a victim of anything when it comes to any kind of domestic abuse or disputes or anything so be safe don't be a victim don't get in the bedroom yes one last thing (laughs) sorry i can't i just can't stop talking about it as a rewatch though Mm -hmm. in the context of this retro review this Mm -hmm. going back to it for me i do think this is the rare movie there's you know there's a handful of them out there i think this movie plays even stronger your second or third time through. Right. Because all of that first chunk, when you know that scene is coming, every moment prior to that is so just devastating. When she when when he comes home and, and he's, they ba- and he's been beaten and they're like they're like, Well did you did you guys call the cops yet? Did you file a report? And you start connecting, you're oh, like, There's no there's no trail of evidence as well. There's no arguing like this was a Repeated act a, of behavior. A building thing. If they had just reported that first time, mm-hmm. open and shut case, yeah, it would have been done with. But there's so many little things, and yes, it's so precious, like you said, and they really nail the like young, youthful love and like life cut short aspect of it. Right. But yeah, every tiny little moment, especially the interaction with the parents, when you see what is another thing I caught this time. When you see what ends up being the final interaction between Frank and his mom, Sissy Spacek, mm-hmm. she tries to talk to him, makes him a meal, brings it down to the kitchen, and he basically like shuts her out and doesn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And again, br- brilliant visual storytelling. It's lit perfectly, and they're in the mir- the glass reflection of the window that's behind them. Mm-hmm. Almost removed from themselves you know it's you know a lot of visual metaphor some of it very obvious some of it just like no perfect and nicely subtle uh yeah i'll continue to go back to it even but i did after this time i was like you know what i'm probably good for maybe two years maybe Maybe, two years okay so you ready for some solid laughs i am uh okay i like it I love it. I want more of it. <laughs> more I victory think... tower, drill sergeant. Too easy, drill sergeant. Too easy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, we're talking Renaissance man, but let's take a listen to the trailer. For Bill Rago, being out of work was a new experience. We found you a job. When have I ever been a teacher? Come on, it won't hurt to try. Do you know how many kids carry guns to school these days? In this case, all of them. AEC is building 2310. Go half a click till you see the DPTM center. If you hit the RFPC, 
You've gone too far. Can I buy a vowel? Now, what you've got here is a few soldiers in basic training who've fallen way behind the other recruits. I'm not an animal! I'm not an animal! No! Look! Peace! I've never taught before, and you've never thought before. So, good luck to all of us. So what you're saying here is you want me to teach these guys how to comprehend? <laughs> He's hardly a soldier. What's the matter? You can't get a job out in the real world? They're barely students. Hey, oh, hold up, hold up. That is a diss. I ain't no oxmoron, all right? You know what I think, Bill? I think you're wasting my time. Yeah, well, you do your job and I'll do mine, all right? Yeah, you know what the difference here, Bill, is? I care about what I do. The Army wanted to make them into soldiers. He wanted to open their minds. This is called Hamlet. Hamlet? Yo, that's about a little bitty pig, right? If you can get past Shakespeare, you can get past anything. I don't know if anybody can help you, High Speed. Lou, but I'm sure. Go easy on the kid. Talk about anal. You must have been toilet trained at gunpoint. Oh, that's it. That is it! Touchtone Pictures presents... You are not dumb. But I need you to know that. The story of a man... Do not saw the air too much with your hands! Who had a lot to teach. It's important, Lou. This is important. This, this is why we're here. And... I told you not to look down. Everybody looks down when you tell them not to look down. You know that? A lot to learn. Yeah, looking good, Mr. From Penny Marshall, the director of Big, Awakenings, and The League of Their Own. This is for Danny DeVito. Victory starts here. Renaissance man. Hamlet's mama, she's the queen. Hamlet's mama, she's the queen. Buys it in the final scene. She buys it in the final scene. F, 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 right. All right, brother. Renaissance man, your pick. Yes. From the grand old year of 1994. Another one of the greatest movie years of all time. Agreed. Um... <laughs> Don't know where this one stacks up with the likes of Pulp Fiction, Renaissance Man. Or excuse me, I was yeah, going to say Pulp see? Fiction. Yeah, it's there, isn't it? <laughs> the it's right Redemption. on the tip of your tongue. You can't Pulp Fiction, The Shawshank Redemption, and I guess you could throw Forrest Gump in there, but I can think of a lot of other better movies from '94. Did I ever tell you about Dr. Susan Courtney with with uh, Forrest Gump? She hated it. I mean, a lot of people do. She's like the she's the director of the the film and media studies program. She's mm-hmm. like, it's a racist white way to remember the sixties. I mean, that's pretty much the way it's regarded now. Yeah, right? but like, I feel like she was the first one to say that. Well, she should get credit then, I suppose. Okay, it's your pick, man. Why'd you pick it? I picked it because Talk it's fucking it. amazing, dude. It's <laughs> Danny DeVito teaches army kids Shakespeare. It's so simple. It's everything, Gavin. You know? <laughs> okay. I, I, Short no. stature, lots of laughs, and <laughs> Shakespeare. Okay. I mean, what else do you need? Um, I loved this movie. Yes. Loved. <laughs> when is the last time you saw this movie? Quite a while ago. Uh-huh. I think it existed better in my, my glossy rose-colored memory uh-huh. than it did on this rewatch okay um it also might have been admittedly a little colored by the fact that veronica watched this with me and was very very disappointed oh because i think she 
based on the cover, which is Danny DeVito, <laughs> short ass Danny DeVito. <laughs> Lots of laughs. Solid trapped laughs. between two giant art, you know, army soldiers in full uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she thought she was essentially she was gonna get like you know in the army now. With yeah, Paulie Shore. I think she thought this was gonna be like a a kind of wacky, like a stripes, wacky beats. comedy with yeah. like. Hey, he's little, and now he's in the army. What's he gonna do? She literally, dude. <laughs> this is I'm not he's gonna do it justice. And and she, when she, army. no, she said it, she put it even better, and I hope she does not take offense to this because she was doing a voice when she was doing it. <laughs> but she was like, "No, it's Danny DeVito." I thought it was gonna be like, "Hey, hey, I'm gonna go fall." Like, <laughs> like. That's hilarious. That, so that's what she was expecting, though. Okay, uh-huh. and I guess I did not properly explain her. I'm like, it's more in the you know inspirational teacher. This is like stand and deliver. This is yeah, like... it's like stand and deliver light. Essentially, yeah, we don't have like is... the heavy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess I didn't sell it correctly. And she's like, I didn't laugh once, not once, not even when he was on the tower. I mean, that was pretty. I'm sorry, not to jump to it. You see this dude's balls, dog? <laughs> I was just like, poor Danny DeVito. How long do they have him strung up there with this harness where you just see just his fucking dick and balls is just completely <laughs> compressed. And just oh, To the point where I'm like, does this bump it up to an NC-17? What are we doing here? But oh my that, like, God. that kind of stuff made her laugh. And then there was there was a line delivery by Wahlberg. I'll bring it up when we get oh to it. Oh my god! That had us both. We ran it back like three times. <laughs> we were dying laughing. But then, of course, dude. Okay. <laughs> the life in the street song comes up later. Yes. And she's like, "What is this?" <laughs> and babe, I, I dude, I had no idea. Okay, you, I'm like. I'm like, babe, I on, I honestly don't know or whatever. But in my research, because I did some research, Good okay, job. I was like, wait, wait a second, IMDb trivia. Marky Mark contributed a song to the soundtrack called yeah. Life in the Streets. And I'm like, there's no way that's him singing. And I, I of course, go down the YouTube rabbit hole and I find the song, which you better goddamn well believe is what we're going to close this episode out you with. Should. But I go find Life in the Streets and... Everybody, please, if you do nothing after watching this episode, if you've made it this far, um, if you do nothing after this episode, please go watch this music video it because is it, so is, it is a treasure. It is amazing. A treasure. Please lay out plot time for Renaissance Man, and we will move through what we what we thought of it because it we're, we're two two hours and twenty minutes, two and two. Okay, just to let you know. Um, so essentially, despite the giant amazing boom of the new Clinton administration. Uh, um, unfortunately, Bill Rago finds himself out of a job in corporate America, forced to go to the unemployment line and find some other means of work. And um, he's greeted by. She was on Fresh Prince, but she was like, Aunt Vi, she was Aunt Vi, or she's the other aunt, right? Yeah, she's his aunt, Aunt Vi, Aunt Vi, or Aunt. There's Aunt Viv, Aunt Vi, his mom. Who, I who is, I don't know the mom's name. Yeah, oh Aunt Vi, yeah. She's the other, no, there's four sisters. Keep talking. Yeah. So anyway, he's forced to uh, go to the unemployment line, and they find him a job. and Greeted by Jennifer Lewis. Okay. Um, they find him a job, and essentially, he gets a job teaching 
kids in the army. And, you know, very soon he realizes that these aren't like the best and brightest, the few, the proud. These are like the dumbasses in the army. Like the ones who can't are you just, hack it. Yeah. Did you even mention like what he did prior to this? Was he a corporate how he got fired and marketing guy? Was he? He's an advertiser. He's, advertising, a, he's a madman, yeah. essentially. Yeah. I just, I, I bring it up to mention the fact that Ed Bagley Jr. is top, top build in this and the top four yeah. actors in, again, this cast that has quite a few people in it. But I love that Ed Bagley Jr. is pulling down fourth billing for literally like two minutes of screen yep, time in a two hour and eight minute exactly. movie. Yes. Issue from the top. This movie is too fucking long, dude. Okay. It's too long. Let's get an editor in there. Penny, let's trim it up. League of of Their Own's got the same problems. As does Big, honestly. Let's just trim it up. Let's trim it up, Penny. Is this our first female director? Maybe. On a two-by-two? Maybe. Also, one of our first legends (laughs) on a two-by-two. Definitely our first DeVito picture, right? I believe so, because she's not... Who did Twins? That's Ivan Reitman. It is Reitman. Okay, yeah. Who did Junior? You're asking as if we've covered these movies. I know. That's also Ivan Reitman, you dick. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be an asshole. Where are we on that Twins I sequel? Love juniors. Oh, and Eddie Murphy's supposed, supposed to be yeah. the other Speaking one? Speaking of Eddie Murphy. That, dude. Yeah. But that's what I was going to say earlier. I think Veronica... Her her main like reference point for DeVito at at this point is like ten years of Frank Reynolds. Right. On Sonny. Right. So I think she and his natural like personality and in interviews and like the way he is on social media and shit now, like I think that's how most of the world sees him. So you go back to this and come to find out it was a complaint at the time that a lot of people were like DeVito can't play straight like this. He only yeah. works if he's a weirdo yeah, or he's exactly, screaming yeah. or he's quirky and weird. We can't buy him with the heart. He doesn't have any heart. Right. And I, and and I thought to myself, I was like, wasn't that most of his his 90s, though? No, his 90s guys all had an angle. Like Jack the Bear and some of these other ones I'm thinking about that I didn't really see. The, the, to me, they all had an angle. This is the only straight man he's ever played. It's the only family guy he's kind of played with the dog yeah. and everything. And I think that's what, to me, I go back to and I'm just like, when do you ever see him as just a dude? Like, he's just a guy. Okay, yeah, all right, maybe it's maybe he's doing a little bit of that wild antic stuff as the madman before he becomes just unemployed. But, like, for the most part, it's just a straight-up dude trying to figure out one how to... To me, it's just like, oh, my God, I got to find work. I find work. Now, fuck, I can't, I can't relate to my kid. How do I do that? Well, let me talk to the youth of America who, just by happenstance, have joined the Army because maybe there's not much out there for them. Maybe I need to realize that. And because I do, I realize, you know what, my, my daughter wants to be an astronaut. Fuck yeah, I'm going to get her a telescope. She's going to be an astronaut. Astronomer, dude. Same thing. Astronomer, <laughs> astronaut, doesn't matter. It's a very different thing. Okay, fine. She's my daughter, my, my daughter sure, wants dog. to look at My daughter wants to look at the stars. I'm going to do it because you daughter know what? Daughter played by... Alana Ubach, yes. who you probably remember from Waiting. She was the one who mm-hmm. liked to show her thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so what do I, I told you he teaches the kids in the army. Do you want me to go into the whole Shakespeare thing? We can pick up that later. 
I mean, basically, he's these they've been selected for a special program, right? No, they're just like the ones who can't pass basic stuff, aptitude, whatever. That's not what I led to here. And dude, this is maybe I got a little lost in the sauce, if you will, or a little okay. lost in the plot. But the shit with him and Remar, like I, the whole setup of this situation makes very little sense to me and ultimately where it builds to also makes very little sense to me but he says these eight have been selected for a special group hmm. they've been hand-picked but because they're lack like they're great soldiers in certain aspects but he needs he's like we just need you to make them think a little more critically think a little more smartly basically right because like you see like Haywood, for instance, is an excellent marksman. And, like, um, I need to get all the names in front of me and yeah. stuff. But, like, they're all, Benitez. they're all talented, but they're, like, yeah, they're presumably lacking, even though some of them, they don't seem like they all are, like, remedial kids. It's not like a welcome back Cotters sort no, of thing. You know really. what I mean? Um, but, anyways, he's thrust into it, and it's like, you know, I don't want to be here. You guys don't want me. As soon as they, I love that they come in all professional, do their salute and everything. And as soon as they realize he's a civilian, they're immediately just like, oh, fuck this shit, man. Yeah, we get to do whatever the fuck <laughs> exactly. we Exactly. Yeah. Um, like, he doesn't know the rules. I guess let's run through the students, shall we? We got Donnie Benitez, but little Brancado Jr., who most people will know. Either from the Sopranos or Bronxdale. Or Bronxdale. Um, we're kicking him around. I haven't heard any of your suggestions yet. A Bronxdale, maybe on my list. Another cable classic. Watched yeah. it on TNT many a night. Oh, yeah. Back at the old, the, like, Sandy Trace house time frame. I was watching <laughs> Bronxdale. So I was, what, like, seven, six or seven? Does that sound right? Like, second or third grade, I think. Mm-hmm. This was like the Dawson's Creek era. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But a Bronx Tale would be on TNT periodically, and I definitely pieced it together over time. Yeah. Haven't been back to it in a while. Um, I think we mentioned this on the previous episode, not that we need to reiterate it, but uh, Stacy Dash? Yes. Is Private Miranda Myers. Good old Kadeem Hardison? Oh, yeah. Dwayne Wayne himself from a different world? Uh, he is Montgomery, Jamal Montgomery here. Montgomery Jamal, yes. And uh, Richard T. Jones, one of my faves. If I had to... He's, he, he's one of those guys in my head, he's been in everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking right here on IMDb, two most known for and the ones that do pop into my head. Phone booth. Yeah. He's got a pretty... He's kind of like the second... To Forrest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. He's out there first on the scene. Um, and also playing another cop in Collateral. A very brief scene, but he's the guy who stops them. And it's like, if they open that trunk, they're going in that trunk. Yeah. And Jamie Foxx has the awkward interaction with it. Yeah. Uh, but he's fantastic. Khalil Kane is Roosevelt Nathaniel Hobbs. We'll get more into Hobbs in a bit. I don't know where else you know him from, but you know where I know him from, bud? 
You told him to play the boxer gay? <laughs> yes. That episode yes, of Friends it's... where Joey wants the worked. part. And yes, <laughs> and it worked. Yes. And it worked. Yes. And he actually gets the part. Yes. Great stuff. Um, oh, damn, dude. That's a bummer. The only guy with who doesn't have a further IMDb page is uh, Peter Simmons, who played Brian Davis Jr. He's the one with the veteran father, father yes. who everybody doesn't believe the story of. Right. Which, again, I did Sorry. I assume we're not going in any particular plot no. order. I didn't really understand. Like, one of the many subplots is that none of them believe him that his father was a hero in Vietnam. They're all just like, no, dude, he just died. It's not a big deal. And DeVito goes and romances Ann Cusack, yes. who's introduced way too late in yes, this movie, by indeed. the way. I could fix the movie very quickly if you introduce her from the get-go. She's the first person he meets on the base. Boom, it's done. Oh, I thought you were about to say, like, she he did meet her at first. Did you not catch that? And I was like, okay. Yeah, I no, but it's like, it's that. She should have been his introduction liaison or something like that. Or whatever. They should establish relationships so that, you know, he has those... There's a few beats where it's like, they end class, and then he kind of sits there and he's like... Teaching these guys Shakespeare, like just talking to himself. Where I'm like, dude, give him somebody that like, if he was out on a date with her and they could hash out like, uh, yeah, here's my struggle with the kids. And she's like, well, you don't really understand the military. And she's like, you know. Right. They do this. They do that. It's so, right there. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a little cliche. And this guy, Gregory Hines, is on my ass. What can you do? Well, right. here, Bill, I'm going to teach you how to give it back to I'm going to teach you to get in shape. Exactly, yeah. dude. I'm sorry. We just made the movie way better. Yeah. But, and I understand at a certain point. It's a little cliched, right? Well, the movie's a little cliched because it's a it's an inspirational teacher drama. But here's the thing: if you're not gonna introduce her from the get go, that whole subplot of like, hey, he found a girl at the end, by the way, like, doesn't even need to be. I don't need it. Right. I don't need it. And it's literally like an hour and thirty five minutes before they even introduce her. And they're like, all of a sudden, yeah, they're flirting. Not, and to not even and have the ex-wife before, character? Before you know it, they're eating a Burger King on base. Oh, dude, don't even. And it's even the t- exact same aesthetic as the one that we even, went to in yes, Japan. Don't even so start perfect. with me, dude. You see why I go back to this thing so much? Well, and the fact that, like, when I, when I was in my research, and I was like, I remember there's some sort of fart fucking Jackson, dude. It's yeah. literally, it's one of those. They don't even hide, movies. dude. You can yeah. see all the insignias of Jackson in that base. And yeah. it's like, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I just, it's one of those. You know, I'm pretty sure we've eaten at that Burger King. Yes, at least twice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we really didn't make it up to the Army base that much, but you know, it is what it is. It's true. I mean, I mainly mean more in like college era when it's like I would go on base to get stuff tax free because I didn't feel like driving all the way back to Sumter and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways. I don't think I, you know what? That kills me, dude. I didn't take that, that kind of advantage of Fort Jackson. When we yeah, lived up yeah. here, I think I went to get Anthony's. You can't like take twice. advantage of any of it now because nope. we've aged out. But yeah, and they don't have Anthony's pizza anymore, so who cares? Okay, let me let me. Fin- I did get a little sidetracked by talking about. Okay, but anyways, he goes and gets these records from from her, mm-hmm. right? What what was preventing the son from asking for access to these records or like somebody look? I I didn't understand what was going on there. I don't understand why it took DeVito to, like, confirm this revelation for the kid. I think it was like the kid just joined. He joined because of his dad. 
And like when he was like done and could do that kind of stuff, because I mean, they're all privates. They just got here. Right. They just got their haircuts. Which right. Stacey Dash doesn't have her haircut though, which is kind of weird. They don't make her cut her hair. Well, there's also was. I'm wondering if that's a movie thing or if there's. They also constantly want her to take off the top half of her uniform and just have the brown like undershirt. Mm-hmm. Which I mean. You want to be weird about it, but you're like, I mean, it's Penny Morris, female director. I guess it's kind of okay, but you're also like, is there a fucking producer in her ear being like, we got to get it to show the tits a little bit more. Can she take off the top? It's like, that would never, be... now granted, they're with a civilian and mm-hmm. stuff or whatever, but it's like, but if any of her superiors walked into that classroom yeah, she'd and be... saw her out of uniform, she'd be fucked. She'd be in like, yeah, she'd be know, in a lot of trouble. Yeah, she had to be in trouble. Exactly. She'd have stern gregory hines yelling at i don't know if you saw in the in the trivia you know who was originally offered that role bing rames fucking bing rames wait completely changes the dynamic of the movie yeah. <laughs> completely changes it dude the only difference would be that i would not want bing rames to just I start lo- tap dancing out of nowhere i'm sorry that's dude. all i want from I, gregory hines i love <laughs> i just want him Go and ahead. devito to do a a duet tap, tap dancing all along that wooden big like thing that he repels off of. You know. Victory Tower. Movie movies are a web. They are spider web. I love the idea that Ving Rames is like, nah, I can't do Renaissance, man. I actually had a part written for me in this Tarantino movie. Which DeVito was a producer on, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's like part of the reason Pulp Fiction even got made is the Jersey Films like portion of it. And the idea that in the same year that Pulp Fiction happens, Danny DeVito's like, well, I produced that. That was pretty cool. Meanwhile, Renaissance Man does not even make back half of his budget. It's forgotten. Ving Rhames goes on to this iconic part in that where it's like, I, I, he, he would have elevated. I like Gregory Hines, but it's the, literally she says it in interviews. She's like, I thought he was too nice. I'm like, he is too nice. I don't buy Gregory Hines as like this stern no, fucking drill would sergeant you, would at you, all. Would you, would you buy Gregory Hines as uh, Marcellus Wallace? <laughs> Just switch the roles. Just switch the roles and see what happens. I was gonna like (laughs) attempt to do a Gregory Hines voice, but I don't even know what that is. But again, like I like him in this, but yeah, it just it removes any kind of like actual dramatic stakes because you're like it's fucking Gregory Hines, dude. Like they're they're gonna spat with each other, but it's like I'm not. There's a there's a moment. When he comes in, when he gets pulled into Cliff Robertson's office, Uncle Ben, by the way, who's like, I gotta bring you in and talk to you for a minute, and he's like. He could have killed you. He would have killed you, Bill. And I'm sure, yeah, he could have yeah. killed you, Bill. We're on a military base, but he could have killed you before somebody got to him. And I'm just like, Gregory Hines, really? You think <laughs> yeah. he's just going to fucking straight up ice Danny DeVito? Lots Tap people, dancing to, on your face. To, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, lots of people could probably take out DeVito if they wanted to. I love but. that they ask him about his military thing. He's like, oh, I marched in anti-war. And like the IDB trivia says, like, he's 4'2". He would not be allowed in the army at all. <laughs> Like, yeah. he okay, didn't a, he didn't have a choice in uh, whether Which he could serve. But that's the whole point. Is like <clears throat> someone in the army would look at him and be like, "Of course, he was never in the military. Right. Are you fucking stupid! Like, <laughs> it was stupid that they asked. What would you? That's, a, that's a shit question to ask somebody like that. He dude. a little shrimp. He a little fucking. <laughs> that's egg. just being. That's just being rude, man. It is being rude. He's coming I on your base. I didn't finish the. Bo- I didn't finish the eight. Sorry. You got Private Melvin. We got two more. Yes, Melvin. Melvin. 
Dude, Gregory Sporletter, shout out to this guy as well. Everything, A total, dude. that guy, he's in The Rock, he's in Twister as well. Say anything, true romance. Dude, of course say anything, I forgot. He's one of the fucking gas station dudes, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's in Black Hawk Down, he's in... Dude, just... Oh, oh, we never stopped working, dude. He's Coach Romano and fucking never been kissed, dude. Did you he already is. say that one? No, oh, okay. I didn't even think about that. I forgot about that. I completely forgot about that. He's in Bing John Malkovich. Yeah, dude, just all over the place. Shout out to that guy, Gregory Sporletter. A total that guy. I will never remember that name. No, it's me never either. gonna stick in my brain. Nope. Oh, and excuse me to bring because everybody was on it apparently. In this movie, uh, friends, he is Phoebe's health inspector boyfriend in one episode, right? Who it, she's like, This is so hot because he can shut down restaurants and then he, they have no place left to eat. Yes, yes. Um, and then last but not least, Private Tommy Lee Haywood, played by Marky Mark. I was saying, little, little actor named Mark Wahlberg. Now, here's the question Do we try to do the Waxahoochee, what, what's Willacoochee, Willacoochee Georgia. Georgia? Do we try and go his version of a fucking southern accent, or do we just talk like fucking Marky Mark? Like we always, hey bro, I gotta find it. Excuse me, say hello to your mother for me. Yeah, somewhere in there. Where, yeah, where we, where do we go with it? I don't know. We could do. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um. Not honestly, outside of like them calling Haywood. A dumbass. The inherent tension between him and Kadeem Hardison. Mm-hmm. You know, we can imagine why, I suppose. Right. <laughs> and uh, them kind of like ragging on the dude because of his made-up story about his dad. There's not a lot of like infighting right. between the group. And unlike a lot of inspirational stories, there is that one person who can't go along, but it's not because of resistance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I guess I would put him in the, uh, maybe the Donovan category. Yes. Donovan from Only the Strong. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Only, only real listeners know, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) only real 90s kids, late 80s, We have talked about it. We've talked about Only the Strong. We've referenced it many a time. We've never done it. We've never done a proper episode. Bro, we have to do Only the the Strong. I got the DVD you got me for Christmas still down there, uncracked. We have to do that and the pest in one sitting. (laughs) Okay. Give it some time, but we have to do that. If we're going to ever stop 2 by 2 that has to be the last one we do. Yes. And only the strong. Yeah. For sure. Uh, But yeah, so that's another thing I forgot where it's like, there's not the shitty person who's like constantly resistant to it, (laughs) who like bails and then like wants to come back sort of thing. Right. Like the Coach Carters and the... Yes. I was trying to think of like reference points. So Mm -hmm. he's trying to just... They don't give him any kind of like syllabus or any particular thing. It's just like make them smarter. <laughs> make no, them a it's little literally bit no. It's just literally just the fact that they they are semi illiterate. They just need basic comp. They be able to read something, understand what it means, and articulate it back. And from everyone's backstory, you get like okay, yeah, this is a small subset of kid that would have fallen through every single crack. They got nothing doing, so they join the army. Single best scene in the movie. And this is also, this is where it kind of announces itself to you. Like, if you thought this was going to be like a laugh riot 
sort of comedy or whatever, or wacky, outrageous military comedy with Danny Vito at the center of it. No, this is firmly a, you know, because there's two ways to go with this. He could have come in, it's like, you know, they're constantly at odds and he's got to, like, tame them, but it's like, I feel like then it has to be, like, rated R or something. It has to have some right. sort of, like, raunchy element exactly like it has to be a lot of like hijinks and like them playing jokes on him and like him trying to get back at them and then like he wins one of them each one of them over individually i think this is like leaning a little bit on just like well you know what'll be funny i guess this is my penny marshall voice (laughs) um danny you're just so small if we put you next to soldiers it's inherently funny so you know i think they were banking honestly on like the sight gag of this small man, this egg of a man, <laughs> next to all of these giants <laughs> in combat dumpty sitting on a wall. <laughs> I'm like, I think they genuinely were like, well, that'll, that's the solid laughs right there. And we don't really have to deliver much of a script. You know that. what was really funny, Danny? But when you were in Twins with Arnold. And Arnold you, people you, loved it. People, people loved it. fucking loved it. Yeah, it was you, huge. You were a sleazeball, but hey, you know what? Doesn't matter. This one you're going to play in every man. Yeah. That's and that's the thing I think you know people weren't expecting that energy from him and I think he, I think he's totally fine in this. That's and I my think th- well, everybody's see, that's good my thing. for the most part. I think it's just a little, it's a little half baked. It's a little too many characters, a little too many subplots and like trying to kind of have a payoff for everybody built into it. Right. Some of which work better than others. Um, I just think it's a little long in the tooth. Um. For Veronica's money, a little too much Shakespeare. She felt like she Easy. didn't. Well, Easy. She's the, but here's what she's saying. She's like, I felt like it was a lot of Shakespeare, but me being unfamiliar with like those specific passages and stuff, because it's like, at one point she was like, oh, so is that Hamlet too? I was like, no, that's Henry V. Right. Like, no, they're now like he's quoting something completely different. The the kind of point of that big scene is like, yeah, he taught them Hamlet, but. They've gone, they're now inspired to go and like do their own. read and do their own thing. They also went and they go and see Henry V. He takes right? them on post. They see Hamlet, they see Henry V. Yeah, they do the same Christmas Day speech in right. Henry V, yeah. Yes. So she felt like not being familiar with some of those, that the for as much as there was in the movie, it didn't help her learning or comprehension about those stories themselves you know what i mean it was like you had to kind of have a working knowledge of all of this stuff if it hadn't been taught to you already right but yeah and i feel like i mean they nailed she just she felt like it was a lot a lot of shakespeare and i don't know if that's necessarily her bag and again she did not get her laughs she did not get her solid laughs okay um what what else do you want to talk about i want to talk about life in the streets noah Okay. I don't want to talk about why we have to listen to Life in the Streets. Yes. Okay. The big dramatic, like we said, there in all of these stories, there's got to be the one person who can't come along for the inspirational journey. Right. Somebody's got to be left along. And unfortunately, in this case, it's one of the most promising young individuals. Yes. From Nathaniel Hobbs. Yes. And James Remar... <laughs> okay, excuse me. He presents... To DeVito and is basically like, you know, I think he, this kid's got something. He's a candidate for officer of school. Like so he, he be- goes and talks to Remar and is like, hey, like, I think this kid's not like remedial. I think like, you know, 
He's not dumb like he says he is. Something, He's pretty something smart. About There's him. something yeah. going on here. So like literally, like a scene later, it's like they're all in the mess hall. Yeah. They does he get arrested in the mess hall? They come and they they tell him, "Son, you need to come with us." And they oh, stand wait, up because initially you're and they like, march him out because you're wondering like what's going on? Why are they are they coming for Devito? Because maybe he pissed off Gregory Hines again, right? But they come and they take him away, and, and Remar is like, "He was, you were right. There was something." He was selling crack. Yeah. He was he had a crack felony. before this. He figured, had a felony. He was running away. Fake could, name, blah, blah, blah. Figure he could hide out in the army. So he gets taken out of his bunk, essentially. You know, all he really says to DeVito is like, it is what it is, man, you know. Yeah. Gotta they got the, they, But they're playing this and then we get life the, in and the and streets. Then we get life in the streets. It ain't easy. <laughs> That's how we live it. Um, anyways. You do hear Marky Mark rapping in the background. I did not catch that when I was you watching didn't? it last night. Oh, dude, I you only do. realized he was part of it when I went and watched the video because they cut out the intro right. portion of the song appropriately because if all of a sudden in the middle of Renaissance Man, it opened with, yeah, I know what you're thinking. This is some Janet Jackson type shit. I ain't down with that. And I'm like, dude, you're not down with Janet Jackson. What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? I'm already on edge. What are you, where are you going with this? And he's like, it's about real life, about the street trauma. And I'm like, the trauma you inflicted on that Vietnamese guy and those groups of black kids that you called the N-word and threw bottles at when you were a fucking overprivileged little gangster teenager running around. Your older brother's fucking dancing his ass off. You're dropping your pants every stage you go on. You lace you curtain your Irish motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you lace curtain Irish yeah. motherfucker. Uh, that's probably really, really right. We are part Irish, though, I guess. Yeah, we so, are. You know, it's all right. Anyways. But yeah, so Life in the Streets has Mark Wahlberg and Eat, little Ital Joe, yeah. I think, um, inform us. It's, it, it ain't easy. It ain't easy okay. at all. So that, le- anyways, he gets arrested. DeVito's... I'm just, in that scene, you can hear him say, do some things that he never should have did. Like, you can hear him yes, say it's that. like he's trying to make amends for the incidents I just mentioned, like, in this song, almost. He's like... But it's also, like, as the kid's getting arrested. Well, that's what I'm that's, saying. Yeah. And that's what makes this video incredible. Let's stop and talk about the video for two seconds. So I'm go- I'm going down the rabbit hole. I realize it's Marky Mark. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh god, I gotta go listen to this. Start watching the video, which is incredible. It is essentially an origin story of Hobbs and how he got there, <laughs> told in music video form. Mm-hmm. Um, I will point out, they said he was selling crack. That's uh, definitely w- when we see this drug bust, it is like a hundred percent pure Mexican, like Colombian cocaine. It's pack. It's like Scarface level shit. Yeah, honestly, you're doing um, it under a bridge overpass in broad daylight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the undercover cop is just all of a sudden like, "Here's my badge." After he's given him a, a huge wad of cash, yes, throws the whole briefcase. We get a nice pack, like, and it's shot like b-roll footage from Miami Vice or something, right? But like, just trash. It looks horrible. Okay. Right. And then they glazed and filtered it with yes. like a dream filter. And we're get, so we're getting the story. And the whole time, because I didn't get a good look at him, I was like, is this the same? Is this Khalil Kane? Like, is this him in it? And mm-hmm. I was like, 
oh, okay, it is, because I'm hearing the narration, I'm like, wait, this is weird, because it's like Wahlberg saying, like, did some things that I never should have did, yeah. and you're showing this young black kid, and I'm like, what are we do? what's going on here? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it literally is the actor from the movie, they're tying it together visually, but imagine, you have no awareness of Renaissance Man. No. But you're a Marky Mark fan at the time. You like good vibrations. You like to feel it. Yeah. Feel it. Okay? He drops his new single. The video's on MTV or something. You're checking it out. You're watching this this story go along, and this, this kid gets arrested for selling drugs, and he goes into jail, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's going to... Oh, he's going to go to the army. Okay. There's this victory tower. Okay, he rappelled down a tower. All right. D- Danny DeVito just, <laughs> just pulled up a random spot in this music video just to like read a letter on screen? If you have no connection to yes. the movie, you're just like, why the fuck did Danny DeVito just show up in this video like three minutes into it? I, I love the guy dying. who... I was just laughing hysterically. I love the guy the who knows that and doesn't think that like it's part of a movie. <laughs> because what people forget is like... This is a storied, storied history of, oh, your your song for the movie? It's going to have clips from the movie and the music video. Oh, 100%. And they don't do that anymore, and I wish they did still. I just love that it's married with, but we also put this other narrative on it, but, you know, we couldn't afford the same cameras for it. So it, uh, the footage looks completely different. The reenactment, if you will, mm-hmm. the origin story is terrible. It's horribly staged. And then it's all intercut with this, like, overly earnest Wahlberg lines, which even in that period of time, I'm just like, I don't know how seriously I would have been able to take it. And I don't know how big those incidents were. I feel it's the, the world we live in now. It's like, it's going to get brought up because it's like, Hey, anytime he does anything, it's like, Hey, just remind people, by the way, he did do these things. Um, and then applied to be pardoned for them in like 2016. Never got pardoned by the way, but it is what it is. He clearly, you know, made amends, tried to be a better dude, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting little slice of, like, this, at the time, this is how he was, like, rehabilitating his image. was like, I'm not feeling it, feeling it anymore. I'm talking about the streets and, like, the homeless struggle, etc. Also, I understand, there's a big shout-out. This is for all the homeless people living on the streets, struggling, blah, 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 all this different stuff. And I was like all right, and Marky Mark is the guy to, like, deliver this message? I just, it was just, I don't know. Well, if you remember, Noah, doesn't they, aren't they talking about him in Clueless, where it's like, if Marky Mark could stop dropping his pants <laughs> or something like that? Yes. I can't remember what the joke They're is. They're trying Clueless. to get him for, like, a celebrity vid- yeah. uh, charity video, yeah. something like that. You want to talk about Clueless instead of Renaissance Man? I'm just kidding. Okay. We can talk about Stacey Dash more. Which we've kind of already covered. Yeah. But essentially, that that Hobbs gets kicked out of the army and goes to prison. And that's pretty much the end that's of his it. story. Write him a letter. And, and he's like, oh, this. hey, I found Othello. That's crazy. Shakespeare wrote about a black guy all those years ago. You know, maybe when I get out, I can do Shakespeare in the park or something. I don't know. He didn't say that. But, um, yeah. But yeah, so, basically, I mean, he teaches them Hamlet. They all... We build to an ending that is completely absurd and makes zero sense whatsoever. Which is what? (laughs) 
the end where he essentially is told by James Remar, hey, just sign this thing. It says they completed the course. And we're good. And you served your purpose. And you got paid. And your, your job's over now, essentially. And he's like, I'm not going to sign this. T- you can't give him a test. And then all of a sudden it's like, guys, I mean, I know this is the army and everything. But, like, did you guys not sit down at the beginning of this and, like, here are the rules and regulations. Here's the curriculum. Here's the time frame. Here's what, like, anything. Literally anything. No, that's called government oversight. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether or not he gave him a test. They got the money from the government to pay him. They just got to have something saying he signed off on it. Exactly. That's it. And so they're basically like, yeah, it really doesn't matter whether they did the thing that you were sent here to help them do at all. They're in. Or something. Refuses to, but then he has to go tell them, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. This makes no fucking sense. If you take the test and you pass it, you're all good. All right. Tracks. Makes sense. If you take the test and fail, you're out. You're out of the program. It's done. But if you don't take the test at all, and so I'm like, okay, ultimate ending is about like the confidence and like challenging yourself, etc. All that stuff, knowing that you can do it, which they're inspired to do after the big St. Crispin speech and everything out on the field when Gregory Hodge is like, you know any Shakespeare? But he does. Yes. Give me some of that Shakespeare. Yes. So, I I get in principle the kind of like. It feels like it's struggling for like an ending. Don't do it for, for me. What, do it for yourself. I yeah. yes. Do it for yourself. Empower yourself. That's what I, I've taught you. You know, paddle self. your own canoe. Yes. <laughs> but it's like Remar says to him. But if they fail, they're at like, like it's so serious all of a sudden. And I'm like, but dude, you just said that these grades don't matter. So you could still sign off on saying they passed it regardless that they completed this thing. They're like government. But then they just, they make there be a fail state in it that doesn't need to be there. I understand you're trying to inspire that and. Lo and behold, they all show up. They take a verbal exam where they just reiterate everything they've been doing in the class and everything. It's like, of course everybody passes. It was going to be pass-fail anyways. Did you really think anybody wasn't going to? There's no there's no drama inherent in it or anything like that. Just like I Melvin get... forgets a word. Melvin, come on. He fell asleep. It's like, sorry, Melvin. You <laughs> failed. <laughs> He's yeah. gone. That's what I'm saying, dude. I just, like... It was like it was trying to inject some stakes all of a sudden, mm-hmm. but there were really no stakes. Right. Because they had just removed them by saying that, like, well, they're all in anyways. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Well, the stakes are their lives after they get out of basic and have to go. Are they going to be able to read and comprehend orders when they're in the desert? That's the stakes. Unlike in the bedroom where we talked about all the things that happen off screen, <laughs> I'm going to say that you're not allowed to bring post-movie shit into this, right? But no, I agree. Like, again, dude, I think as an inspirational teacher movie, it has its moments. I I love the Hamlet of it all. 
Yeah. And I think that, excuse me, the best scene other than here's how we all got here, which I think is great, well acted, and a, a very true to life also from what I know of a lot of like military people in general. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing like all the swaps of like, yeah, not yeah. everybody follows the same path to get here. Everybody comes here for different reasons, but do have common goals in some cases. Well, that's what he realizes is like <clears throat> they're here for the same reason he's here. Yeah. They ain't got no jobs. They ain't got no prospects. Exactly. Neither does he. Yeah. He had it all and he lost it. He's yeah. like, Iggy, what if I lose this power? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but Check and, out our previous 2 yes, by 2 on yes. Surf Ninjas. We did that. And, we, that and I mean, the... I guess it's just, that, like I said, Brian Davis Jr. having had time in the military would probably have been able to find these records himself. But again, this is before computers, so who God knows where the records you're trying, are. You, you're doing a decent job of talking me out of like some of my, my plot holes you know? and issues. I wanted a few more laughs, mm-hmm. period, dot, end of statement. I still think either get that Ann Cusack character out of here or introduce her early. And I say introduce her early because I fucking love Ann Cusack, dude. She's mm-hmm. good in everything. Yeah. Why not? Okay. You forget but about I, like the Jackson and Leroy, like the whole, I'm never going to have my kid pick up a football, football and go do shit for nobody. His wife Excuse is pregnant. Me. All that stuff. I you circle, get every single walk of life where, in here. Yeah, I circle back around my head to what... I think that intro scene where they tell while they're there is probably the best scene in the movie. I think the second best and the closest it really comes to, like, I can see why DeVito is actually, like, perfect in this moment. And it also leads to one of my favorite line deliveries from old Marky Mark, okay? He's passing out the roles for who's going to play who in Hamlet. And they get around to... uh, the one with the dad. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Brian Davis Jr. Brian Davis Jr., thank you. And they're going to make him play the queen. <laughs> and Wahlberg says, Now, Bill, you and I both know <laughs> that a man, playing, a man playing a woman is just plain filthy. <laughs> it's just, it's delivery, just plain filthy, Bill. Like, <laughs> I also love the runner that he called. I mean, the, some of them do as well, but... Wahlberg calls him Bill throughout this entire movie. Some of them call him Mr. Rago or Billy or Shakespeare. Billy Boy. Yeah. Billy Boy. All this different stuff. But he... Oh, Bill? Bill? <laughs> I, I love it, dude. It's so funny. It's I don't like know that's why. the first line he read was when he called him Bill. And every line of the script where it's Mr. <laughs> Rago, whatever. He just, he just, he just written and wrote Bill on every copy of his tape. script. This is what I'm bringing to yeah. the table. He's like... Yes. Men used to play all the parts, and then he starts doing female soliloquy, and he's really into it, and he's like trying to basically seduce all of the dudes in the room, and it's like it's you don't remember the scene? I do, yeah, no. yeah. I'm saying, but that's like you're looking at me like what the fuck is no, he no, no. About? I'm getting yeah. I'm like that is when like Devito comes alive, and you see the like the theater actor side oh, of yeah. Devito and everything, where you're like, yeah, he can fucking crush Shakespeare, like. This is great. He's like inspiring them with this moment. It totally plays. Really love that scene as well. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm I'm losing my voice on this one. You know why? We're at three hours. <laughs> We've been going for three hours. Hell yeah. 
Um, we spent a lot of time in the bedroom, didn't we? We did spend a lot of time Jesus in the bedroom. Jesus Christ. Um, I had some more thoughts on Marky Mark. Oh. You know when IMDb trivia... It's like, this is not trivia. Like, what the... F- yeah. This is just a statement. Like, what is this? There's this whole... Let me Let me read it. Is it the bit about them not letting him seeing or like making fun yes, of him having like no rhythm stuff, and stuff dude. but he was really a rapper it's like that doesn't really matter at the point throughout the movie the recruit street private haywood as if he has no rhythm leaving him out of their rap song and making fun of him when he's trying to keep a beat on his desk in real life mark Wahlberg was a professional rapper and i'm just <laughs> like yes but in this movie, movie he's playing a character who is not a rapper. It's just like something somebody like, noticed and was like, huh, that's funny, yeah. isn't it? It's well, like, great, it, it should be trivia. It should be like, nice observations. Well, and it, IMDb observations. And so I'm, I'm re-watching it last night, and in my head I'm like, dude, he's probably like, he's in that in-between. He's trying to transition into acting, wants to be taken because seriously as an actor. Because what's next? The Basketball Diaries. Basketball and, Diaries. We got fear right around the corner. And before too long, you know what? Dirk Diggler. Yeah. Still the best thing he's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> By a long shot. Departed. It's maybe a close second. And we've talked and about him a lot. Third. He is. Pain and gain. What? Pain and gain. Third. Oh, yeah. I'd go with that, actually. Yeah. I'll um, give you Boogie Nights. I'll give you that. But Pain and Gain's a third. He Fuck. is the epitome. Probably more so than any other actor I can think of. If he's got good material and a good director, that dude's a fucking movie star. Lightning yeah. in a bottle. Um, when he's got just okay material, he's all right. Who? Wahlberg. Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Just, he doesn't have that consistency. He rises to movie. the occasion of what it, what he, script he's presented. If he's given Renaissance Man, he'll be a weird accent. You can't take your eyes off him. Whatever it is, but it is literally. But the, like he rises to the occasion the of whatever the script the is. The quality of his performance is a hundred percent dictated by the quality of the material. Is what I'm saying. I don't think he elevates bad material. I think it's just it's just no. Whatever. No, I'm saying like it's the quality. It's like the quality of the material and who's directing because it's like he's one of those guys that it's like okay, how much do I got to turn it on? Do I got to right. do enough? Oh, okay. This is a, it's a PTA thing, and it's gonna be this. Okay, I gotta, I gotta. Okay, I gotta step it up. Oh, this is this is Michael Bay. I can, I can dial it back. Oh, wait a minute. It's not a Transformers. One hundred percent. Well, yeah. I think he's dialed in and pain and gain. I didn't see the four. You haven't made me do those yet. So. Nope, not yet. Yeah. Anyways, um, and obviously he popped from from this movie a bit too. He is one of the. He, it's it's. It's hard to remove knowing that he goes on to mm-hmm. the career that he's had. Right. If it's like when you watch this, you're like, oh, I could see that. Or if you're just like, oh, it's popping for me because I know this is Mark Wahlberg. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to put my head myself in the headspace of like when I would have watched it back in the day or at the time, if he leapt out at me or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the movie, or at least in Penny Marshall's head, Lilo Brancato Jr. Yes. is the the star. The one she wants to like elevate out of this ensemble. Because mm-hmm. she lets him do <laughs> De Niro impersonations, Pacino impersonations, and he gets the big giant speech at the end. 
mm-hmm. which I was like could have honestly been anybody, and I didn't feel I didn't necessarily get the significance of it being him. You know what I mean? Well, it's because he had the worst time getting there. I guess yeah, you it, could because say he was the, the bullet first. was meant for him, but it hit his sister just the same. Oh, excuse me, he does have the most tragic backstory, right? A hundred percent. And I mean, his his impression gets him into a Bronx Tale the next year to be in that movie. You just read the trivia wrong, that's all. He, what is it? Bronx Tale is 93. Bronx Tale is before this. He got cast in Bronx Tale because, because of the impersonation yeah, yeah. of De Niro. Yeah. That's yes. why they're letting him. Like, that's what I mean. It's like, that's why they're letting him do all that. But that that's because that's what he we, came from. That, and that's, that's how he's saying, though. But that's yeah. also what's kind of weird is it's like, this is almost like shtick that they're just like. Yeah. It's like she's basically hey, saying, hey, this dude, is the next De Niro. Yeah. That's the vibe hey, you do get the, from it. Do, the, do like, the Bronx Tale thing. Do your De Niro. They'll yeah, love but it. But it's like, why? yeah, we're doing a lot of impersonations. Right. Like, where it's just like, I would also like a little bit more of like an actual character as well right um but yes admittedly he does have the most intense backstory so um any other things that stood stood out for you uh, really just it was i mean he gets it together at the end he, he gets, gets it a together. telescope a big ass telescope oh like yeah a huge, i've never seen one that large oh very large telescope almost as big as he is <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> probably I had about to. as tall yeah. i had to um he gets everything works out. He gets the records. He makes sure that that kid's get gets acknowledged in front of yes, everybody his at graduation. Gets acknowledged at the graduation. You Great know. scene. And Gregory Hines gets, you know, the beauty of Shakespeare wins him over because at first he's trying to be a prick and be like, "Oh yeah, you guys have been learning this for weeks, but did, did any of you actually retain it or comprehend mm-hmm. it?" You know, what's Shakespeare going to do when <clears> you're getting <throat> shot out on the field? Like, I'm here to, you're here to learn how to. Fly, fight, kill, whatever. Yeah. I don't need you worrying about Shakespeare while you're doing it because, you know, you just need to know how to take orders and comprehend that, like, when I say something, do it. Not why do you want, why do I want you to do it? Yeah. Don't worry about that. But it's all comes full circle at the end where, like, you know, what is he doing? He's signing up for another six months. He's, he's going, he's coming back for it. He's going to be the next round. I'm just saying, we can make a sequel. Dude. Renaissance Man 2. Electric Boogaloo, I'm there. More Shakespeare to do. That's it. Much to do. (laughs) Renaissance Band 2. Much ado. There we go. Much ado about Renaissance Band. We didn't even talk about my favorite bit. I know we're missing something. Yes, please. The Leroy Jackson's like, you ever heard of Leon Batista Alberti? No. Who was that? He's a Renaissance man. You know what? You know, he could do everything. Yeah. Well, you know why I remember his name? Why? They say he could stand in front of a man and jump put both feet together and jump all the way over a a man and land on his feet on the other side. But if he couldn't have done all that, he could do all that stuff and be a renaissance man. But if he couldn't have done this one athletic thing, I wouldn't remember his name. Mm -hmm. Oh, so he was kind of like a smart jock. Yeah, Leroy. There you go. I just like that. I like movies where they say the name of the title in the movie. And I love that they shoehorn it in with like, oh yeah, he was a renaissance man. <laughs> and it, this lets you know that just like the guy he's talking about, Bill Rago is a renaissance man. Yeah. He can do everything. He's a madman. Mad he's a Shakespearean actor and, and, and professor. And, and performer and professor. And, you I know. Will, I will also point out what's even classier is when you don't quite say the name of the movie in the movie. Allah, when you get two lobsters... 
in in a bedroom. He says in a bedroom, not in the bedroom. Yes, yes. He says when you get two lobsters in a bedroom, he throws it away, dude. It's like I'm setting up the whole metaphor of the movie for you right here in the first ten minutes, which a lot of movies do. But um, I'm throwing it away. Yeah, we gotta get yeah. Just like we got to do with these lobsters, you got to throw them away. As opposed to Renaissance Man, where it's like an hour and 45 minutes in, and it's like, dude, people are going to be asking, what the fuck is this title about? I don't get it. (laughs) So uh, we got to put that in there, you know, for the New York crowd. (laughs) For the New York crowd. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm trying to start some feuds or something. (laughs) Some kind of traction going. Well, you picked a nice one to start with Wahlberg. I really <laughs> hope that takes off for you. Yeah. That'd be great. Coming for you, bruh. Confirmation. <laughs> yeah. Um, did we miss anything else? No, we, we hit all the beats. There's the victory tower scene. We talked about his balls. We covered that. <laughs> yeah, that's that was all my you really only takeaway, dude. We're just yeah. like, Jesus Christ. Um, again, dude, I, for me, honestly, it just exists better in my memory. I think right. I remember it being funnier. I think I remember it. Hitting a little harder. And maybe that's a byproduct of like, I don't know how many times I watched this when we were young. It felt like it was on all the time. Yeah. And this is one you have to see before the DeVito becomes DeVito we know now. It's that simple. For sure. I think, yeah, because when I was a kid, he was just kind of everything. He He was short. You were taller than him, but it was funny. Yeah, but I didn't have like When you were a kid, the height thing that Penny Marshall wanted out of this movie was funny. Yeah. You had no, you had no comprehension of timing context wordplay whatever it was just like i'm <laughs> sure devito he's always sitting up in that high chair thing in taxi yelling at him it's funny i don't know what he's saying but he's just funny look at him yeah that's what it is you know and then when you were like it's so random that we like we grew up watching taxi in japan but i remember stuff like yeah what do <laughs> you do, do <laughs> when you come to a Yield sign. Slow down. Slow down. What? Dude. So Fucking funny. Christopher Lloyd funny, on that dude. show, dude. Like, so I just. Good. Yeah. Did a beer just go Classic. by? I don't know what it was. Classic, dude, dude, I need to see who has that show to watch all of them. It's on Hulu. It's, if it, I'm Almost check positive. It. I'm going to check it out. I want to, like. Okay. I want to catch that. This is, I think this is the longest episode we've ever done. I know. Can you believe it? I mean, I should have assumed as much. It's the weirdest pairing we've ever had for a two by two, mm-hmm. by far. We did actually spend, and it's crazy that it's been a good chunk of two by two. I feel like sometimes it's like, hey, we're gonna, and then we just go on with what we've been watching, and we don't ever really. get... I feel like we really, we really took a nice trip in the bedroom, and we really discovered what a Renaissance man was. We sure did, and we understood <laughs> that life in the streets it ain't easy. <laughs> and that's how we live Got nowhere to go, that's why life on the streets is like a trifle of beat.